Welcome to Letters and Legends. I'm your host, Trevor Malouf. This show is about history, literature, mythology, and everything in between. In this episode, I spoke with Andy Hughes about Dinotopia by James Gurney. Here's our discussion. Welcome. We're going to have a great conversation with Andy Hughes about Dinotopia, the book series and the movie and TV series. So welcome, Andy. Breathe deep, Trevor. Yes, I will breathe. Oh, uh, yeah. You didn't say, you're supposed to say, seek peace. That's the <laughs> dinotopian. Is that, is that in both books? Yeah, that's in, that's throughout the franchise. But is that in, is that in the, uh, the first book? Yep, that's okay. in the first book. That's do in the miniseries. Do they include that in the? Uh, you you almost you scared me with that, so I have to say. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It was a little it was a little scary when yeah. I do it. No, it was, <laughs> it's it was supposed al- to be peaceful. It was alarming. It was an alarming seeking Indeed. of peace. <laughs> okay. I mean, I think Dinotopia would be a little frightening at first. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, okay, I don't know where to begin with this because there's so much. There's so much. This is this could easily go for like four hours. Right, so we let's... could talk the length of the miniseries about this. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I know you had you had planned that. Breathe deep. You had been waiting. I had been. I was. I was hoping you would just say seek peace. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we could redo it if you want. No, it's fine. We leave the, the yeah. Okay. The awkwardness is part of the experience. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, I'm going to try and get this going as quickly as I can so we can have some fun. Um let's see. So, sure. the first thing I would say is it all starts with the man, James Gurney, mm-hmm. who wrote and designed the entire story. Mm-hmm. Hold on. I need to. T- I have so many sweaters on. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I read a Dinotopia book, I put on a sweater. <laughs> oh my god! I I'm I'm struggling with how 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 serious to make. Well, not serious, but the how um what tone to strike. Yeah. I mean, maybe we can I'm, start with that. We can be we can be irreverent about it, but I will just say that like I'm totally dino pilled at this point. Like yeah. you got me into this, and I've been like ordering the books through the library. I saw the whole miniseries, which is uh, an effort. You gotta, you really you gotta. gotta put to, it in. No, I give you a lot of credit, and I and to say <laughs> that if you had said that to me when I was nine years old, or maybe yeah. fifteen when I got back into it because of uh-huh. the. I would have said seek peace, but I mean, I, I was not, I was not at all expecting that. I, you know, and I said it, I, I, I knew it was a gamble, I, but I, I wanted to take the, take the plunge because I, st- I don't, was, I can't even remember what it is. Breathe deep. It's well, it depends on your class actually. So it's breathe deep, seek peace is the main one, but if, depending on which Yes. Uh, guild you join it because if you're in the skybacks you say breathe deep fly high <laughs> right yeah i remember I think, that. fly high fly high i, I think if they well, i don't know if they go to the other ones it's but, yeah. like they have a little bit of top gun thrown in to dinotopia i i would yes i think the the pterodactyl scenes were definitely if there was like a top gun spinoff but it was all on pterodactyls i think that would do even more 
money than Maverick did. I think right. that would that would be a smash a smash hit. Yeah. Um okay. So I'm gonna say first off, Dinotopia, let's do the elevator pitch. Sure. Dinotopia is a family book. <laughs> meaning it has a lot of paintings. Yes. And instead of just like a little bit of writing, it has real text on the side. So an adult could read it and enjoy it and read it with their children. That So Gurney described it as a family book. And mm-hmm. it's about, uh, is it 80, 100 pages maybe long? Yeah, it's like between 100 and 200. I was really surprised. But yeah, it's like 180. Yeah, 80 or 150 oh it's more yeah it's like 150 yeah. Yeah. and um 150. it's 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 set horizontally every book yes that are in the gurn that are actually pure gurn 100 percent gurn yeah 100 percent gurn there's four of them i think four or five four or five i we should we could look it up of of gurney produced material Yes, which is a fair amount when you see how beautifully rendered. And oh the, my God! Yeah, the attention that you have to um, give. Yeah, these books are gorgeous. Um, there's four. So I'm just I'm checking on the website. So there's four of the illustrated books, and they're kind of like halfway between because they're not full graphic novels, but they're more elaborate than picture books because they, like you said, the there's a lot of text. And it's kind of more at like a middle school reading level. I was surprised. Like it's it's definitely more advanced than I remembered it being. Because I remember seeing this, I think, in elementary school. But like I was a little surprised by like how deep it was and, you know, how involved. So I can see what he meant by like family. The author, James Gurney, of the original illustrated books, like as a family thing, trying to appeal to everybody. You know, it's like your parents could sit there and read this with you and you know both enjoy it i think that there are other books that would fall into this like the gnome books oh yeah yeah, yeah. they then became the david the gnome tv right. series right but right originally these gnome books and those would be a family book and there were there were you know a handful of these um but it's does it doesn't fit the standard model no, and the gnome book, it's interesting you bring that up because if I remember, I didn't own that, but I remember seeing that and that was also kind of like a guidebook. And that's what the first Dinotopia uh, book is, like the notes of uh, the main character. So it's it's more like a guidebook than a story. Uh, so it's kind of, it fits in the same thing where like the drawings are supposed to be like sketches they took. Yes. Um there's also, I've had some Robin Hood books, some mythology books, King Arthur, other things that are longer than the standard children's book that's maybe 30 pages with a single sentence on each page. <laughs> and I've had some of those books as well. So Robin Hood, mythology. Yeah. And this is fitting into that. It's like a, It feels like it's mythology. Well, um, this... The first book, I believe, came out in 1992, and I feel like there was something about this era, like this, because I think the style, it's watercolor painting, but it's photorealistic, 
and like he would actually take photos of people and use them for reference so that i do remember lots of books in a similar style mm-hmm. like this sort of thing and especially when you combine like this very sort of uh like lifelike portrayal of a person riding around on a dinosaur with like a, a saddle and a rain on them it's it's very striking you know no matter what age you are well um Yes, I think some of it's watercolor, but there are oil paintings. In oh, here. oil paintings. Okay. I mean, yeah. there's definitely a mix. Yeah. Um, and some of it he purposefully keeps. I don't know if it was just because of just sheer not wanting to go insane with the amount of paintings that he had to make, but <laughs> some of the images are more uh, abstract or the faces are abstract and aren't detailed but other ones are very detailed right so i think it's a little bit of wanting to give that sketchbook feel like someone was had a sketchbook and was making drawings right and i think it's the other thing too of not wanting to go insane because he has to make a hundred paintings (laughs) of dinosaurs dinosaurs and like beautifully rendered images of a aztec slash venetian city (laughs) with waterfalls i mean it came out at the perfect time for me oh my yeah because i was six years old and i probably got it only a few years later when it came out and i was like could read nothing but dinotopia it was just like i everything about this i'm my nose is stuck in this book for hours and i remember going to my uh with my uh grandmother i was staying gonna stay with her for a week or something and um as much as i liked hanging out with her i was like thinking i don't know what i'm gonna do here for an activity (laughs) but i had my dinotopia books (laughs) i would read them so i just got to the point where i memorized it and that's so funny too because they're not like so there was a we're talking about the original books which are like we said these almost like coffee tables book sized tomes but then there's also there's like the there were novels there were like paperback like young adult novel spinoffs and stuff but if you were going uh to her house and you had this full size just imagine you walking around with like a satchel full of these books because well i had two i mean yeah yeah i had i had two the yeah. one that uh, the main one and then the world beneath which we're going to discuss oh yes and so i had I had a fair amount, that's 300 pages of material. Yeah. yeah. And I started, you know, it's the cliche thing that they say about books versus video games or movies or something, which is your imagination is run wild. So I could look at Waterfall City and think like, well, what would I be doing on Waterfall City? If I, uh, there's this like, uh, we haven't actually got into any of this, but no, we will, we will. But let's just say that some of the locations I would put myself into, yeah. And the cliche is right, you know, it really does build your imagination. And um, you know, I really kind of just wasn't thinking about it later, but then they made this mini series, so we're just going to lay out what <laughs> kind of what we're going to look at today is the original book and the mm-hmm. author. His second book, the sequel, we're not going to look at the other books. Uh, we'll touch on some of the media because 
by the way, I did get some of the other media and was not impressed. Oh my god. Can't uh, wait to hear about that. I never got like a Skybax um <laughs> you know, handle or something, right. but yeah. And we could talk to some of the politics too of, of the yeah. use of dinosaur physi- physicality in the world. Right. Dinotopia. And then uh, we're going to touch on utopianism. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to talk about the miniseries. So we're going to try and get this all in. <laughs> uh, to kick it all off, why don't you explain to me, Andy, uh, a little bit about both. Why don't you just say your kind of general right out of the gate? I threw this at you. <laughs> and then you're saying, oh, I'm going with it now. So sure. you could take that, and then why don't you go into James Gurney? Sure. So I'll give you sort of my brief history, which isn't much, and then I'll I'll do a little background. Um, I definitely remember these books. I remember it being a series and a franchise that was around, and I remember seeing the miniseries. And the only I didn't tell you this before. The only scene I remember from the miniseries when it was actually on, seeing this on TV was the one where they're in the school and they have to pass an essay test because they have essay tests in Dinotopia. And he, David, the sort of the mischievous bad boy brother, or sorry, uh, Carl, the mischievous bad boy brother, uh, his essay is just the lyrics from Bohemian Rhapsody. And they all think that that's really deep and wise. And David, the main character, is like, you just took that from Bohemian Rhapsody. And I, for whatever reason, I don't even think I got that reference, but I remember that happening. And I think like, cause the dinosaur teacher is like, listen to this. Is this the real life? Is it a fantasy? And then everyone's like, Oh, how wise. And like my mom or somebody was like chuckling. It was like, Oh, oh. You know, so that was the one, now, the one scene from the mini series I remembered. Uh, I'll just, I'll just, let's, let's get through the bio so we can get straight to the fun, to the series. So, um, I mean, the whole thing's fun, but yeah. Uh, so James Gurney, uh, he, I'm cribbing this from a few different places. There's a bio on his official website. Uh, he was born in 1958. His dad was a mechanical engineer. He has other uh, people in his family who are engineers, or I think he said he had an uncle who worked on, uh, film and I think color, like coloring for color correction or something. Um, and he grew up and majored in archeology span in college and he got a job working as a archaeological illustrator, which Trevor and I were talking about before. That's a that's a job to tell people you have. Um, but he did that for National Geographic, so he would actually draw um, fossils and dinosaurs. And uh, he said that that was like a dream job for him. And when he was first uh, coming up with this idea, he was doing paintings of that were inspired by. Niagara Falls. There's a video on his YouTube channel where he talks about another waterfall that I think is in Seattle. I don't know which one, Um, but there's a few different waterfalls, also Venice, and that became Waterfall City, which was the first painting that would eventually go on to be Dinotopia, which got him into thinking about, you know, a society based on dinosaurs because he loved dinosaurs ever since he was a kid and he loved coming up with different worlds. Um, So all of that came together into the painting that would spark a series of paintings um and dinosaur parade is another painting which is in i think that's the cover of the first dinotopia book uh it's the one where you have uh i want to say like renaissance era people 
um, or, or clothing and people are riding these dinosaurs or somebody on a triceratops. And uh, then you have like flower girls uh, spreading flowers. It looks like this bizarre, but like really fitting. Like there's something about it that just that fits, even though it's very odd. Like, you know that it doesn't make sense, but you're also like, oh, if I saw this hanging in somebody's dining room, I would just sort of accept it. Like that's that's part of the fun, the funny thing about Dinotopia is that it takes itself seriously, but there's something kind of whimsical and almost like, like uh, parodic about it. There's a painting in one of the books I was reading the other night at, next to my girlfriend, and there's a painting of a boy sitting by a stream, and there's just a triceratops behind him. And I was jokingly like, "What if I got that and we framed it and like put it in our room? Because it just looks like a painting." that like somebody in our world made of like a, of, of life. So there's just something funny about the, I mean, I have a, I have a painting. My, from oh yeah. When I was probably in fifth grade or something, my other grandmother. So there's some strange grandmother dinotopia connection, but my other grandmother got me, gave me a large print of what you're describing that famous painting and is it the with the kind of dinosaur arc de triumph yes okay. it's like the dinosaur right uh, yeah celebration and it's a... sort of like it has the strange mixture of civilizations and there's like the flowers that one would imagine that caesar would be given yes. if he was returning even though there would be no arc de triumph at that time nor dinosaurs but <laughs> for that matter, uh, for that matter. But the, the funny story is that my my mom thought this would be a nice gift uh, to sort of spruce this up. So she got it framed in a really nice frame. And um, I have had this print ever since. And I'll take I've taken it around. I had it everywhere. Then it kind of was in storage and it's back up again. I have this print of Dinotopia and Amazing. I think there was just something funny about when I, I, I put it up and people would look at it. Oh, this is interesting. What is this? Um, it's a dinosaur walking under a Renaissance, you know, in a photorealistic Renaissance painting. Yeah. It's like your mind is, is, going a million places but i have a theory about what is going on do you want me Ooh. to share with, with you now Go ahead, or yeah. later? my theory is that this is what your mind is jumbling and your mind is jumbled when it goes into a museum oh. and that your mind recapitulates all that it sees into a general concept of the past ah so you see the ancient, uh, what we sometimes call primordial, but I think that believe that's like even before the formation of life. Or again, I'm not an expert with these things, but right, right, right. but let's just say um, uh, prehistory, mm -hmm. the deep past is something people talk uses instead, like uh, dinosaurs, um, early mammals, etc. There's all of that. But then you have the civilizations, Aztecs, mm -hmm. Rome, and then you have more modern or newer, let's say, or closer yeah. to our time uh, yeah. with the uh, 
Arc de Triomphe, that's uh, Napoleonic era. He kind of stops at a certain point. Um, but even then, he's incorporating into the 19th century because, as we'll get into, the characters are from the 19th century. So I right. think this is like if you went to a very robust collection at a museum and you saw all these different things, dinosaurs and so on, and all these other civilizations and you saw and Egypt and so on, you went home and you had a dream, this would be your dream. That is that that's that's really interesting that you bring that up. Yeah, especially when we get into it later, it is sort of like night at the museum. It's just sort of like everything comes alive at the same time. Mm -hmm. You have like dinosaurs and you know Elizabethan nobles and. (laughs) But um, I will say just real quick because I'm also looking at the bio. I think I, I it doesn't actually say here that he drew dinosaurs from National Geographic. So I'll revise that. It said that he did uh reconstructions of ancient civilizations so that's what he was doing but i think he did say in the video that he was fascinated by dinosaurs and may have been drawing them for his own amusement so i mean he did everything like i think one of his first drawings for nat geo was like a coast guard rescue or something like that yeah so you can look that up so he was doing he was interested in action yes well, action and also architecture, like these different um, buildings and things. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so much detail. There's actual maps in these books that look like they're from National Geographic. Like I was kind of doubled over. Like it looks like it's from a textbook or an encyclopedia. And it'll be like a map as if Dinotopia is a real country. And it'll mm-hmm. show you like the roads, the cities, the different geographical area. Like it, it, he put a lot of effort into this. And again, similar to Severin and Redwall, it feels like nobody, you know, maybe it's just us, but nobody really talks about Dinotopia anymore. Like, if we're supposed to care about the Avatar movies, like, I don't understand why Dinotopia can't be, like, there's so much in just the first book of this that could just easily justify, like, several series and, you know. Well, I mean, that's an interesting question about these uh, the hierarchy of media where <laughs> the feature film is kind of put at this high level and the television miniseries is not. And that's because it's lower budget and et cetera. Right. I mean, I don't know if we mentioned before, but we are going to be talking about the miniseries of Dinotopia, which is how long? It's four hours, I think. 250 minutes. Okay, so it's over. It's over four hours. Yeah. When you send me that number, I mean, it's almost like looking at Everest. You know, you're just like, yeah. I have to. it's there. I have to watch it. Yeah. I'm going to do this. This is the Mallory of dinotopia and that's actually another thing that i like the mixture of this as a kid which was it's the interest in another world another something and of course it's i'm not you know able to go to it's like a companion piece to the museum right but there's this yeah there's this element of uh fantasy because it's like everything mixing well and i also i've i've always been into time travel that was my thing so like around the same time yeah i was in like middle school even elementary school like this idea of like going to different times meeting people from different eras anything time travel themed then and to this day will usually get me interested so 
Um, if I had known that about this series, I think it would have been, and also if I had known like how um, in depth it was, I think I would have been a lot more into it because I never actually owned the books. But if I had them and if I sat down and read them like that, I would have probably gotten way into them. Yeah, you wonder if this was someone that if my parents said like, oh, hmm, oh yeah, this is this is how we're <laughs> this is how we're gonna go with this when they saw it, or yeah. if it was more like. Uh, you will be getting me this book because this is the book for me. Mm -hmm. Or I took it out of the public library and it was like, uh, I need this 24 hours a day. <laughs> I need to be able to wake up and look at Dinotopia. I need to go to bed and look at this. So uh, we need to be getting this book. So I don't know how that went down, but certainly the world beneath was a continuance. Oh, my God. And he waited such. I mean, this guy had dino uh, dino burnout because he didn't uh make another one until like 2000 and i don't know i'd have to look there's journey journey to shantara journey to shandara 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 is, is the fourth book yes and that came out in 2007 i think yeah and then uh the the third one came out in 1999 and it's been out a while so much so that there's been a reissue which is the one i have but 1999 so there was a there was a little while there i was kind mm -hmm. of i was kind of uh not into the dino dinosaur uh, dinotopia thing at that age and the the mini series i think is 2000 if i remember correctly 2002 2002 okay. and so i had to kind of you know, bite my lip and go, okay, well, I waited for you a long time, Dinotopia. I was a little kid and you didn't come out the movie. I know. Um, I, instead I had a, a Michael Crichton kind of was the dino property. Well, and let's quickly touch on that because the yeah. first Dinotopia book came out in 1992 and Jurassic Park came out in 1993, right? Yeah. It feels like, and I said this before, Dinotopia is kind of like the anti-Jurassic Park. So even though it predates it, I, it's sort of like dinosaurs aren't scary. We live with dinosaurs, you know? It's, it's sort of demystifying them and making them um, still wondrous, but just like part of life and, and humans can live alongside them, which obviously did not happen in real life. But this idea that, you know, maybe we can, I guess you could say empathy to dinosaurs or, or just like getting to know them more and, and think of them as creatures instead of something scary. And I didn't see Jurassic Park as a kid, so I don't have the same uh, like attachment to it. A lot of people, I think millennials especially love that movie. And I, th I don't have anything again. I enjoy it, but I didn't grow up as a Jurassic Park kid. I think like I maybe thought it was too scary um and yeah. then by the time i did watch it i think i was in college and i was like all right this is okay like it's it's fine but it's not like my favorite movie ever and uh i think dinotopia kind of scratches that i don't want to say you're either a dinotopia person or jurassic park person i think you can you can love both all right? oh no i think i think yeah i i can have my salad and my ice cream yeah because to me a jurassic park is ice cream it's like pure right. ridiculous um ridiculousness it's, yeah it's just complete uh escapism i mean yeah. yes dinotopia is but the adrenaline rush of of it is so absurd i don't this is not about jurassic park though but we should just no. say like that that took over yeah um 
and you kind of wonder like what if what if steven spielberg had said instead i think he liked the thing about basically man tinkering with with nature and i want to be like well man's tick man's tinkers with i mean we've been doing it for a long time so i mean i don't know if this movie is gonna you know i i it's like just from pure filmmaking storytelling dinotopia would have been better well yeah and i kind of feel like when you have a movie like jurassic park or something it's like you make this thing that's supposed to be a cautionary tale and then people see it and they're like whoa that'd be awesome let's do that and they're like no the whole point of the movie is we shouldn't make jurassic park it's like oh no too late cloned a dinosaur <laughs> we've already made it so it feels like it gets a little lost because you put so much effort into making the dinosaurs look cool that the whole point of you know we should well so it. yeah it's an interesting point because yeah. they in the film they do they do do it right yeah and and then it's like um then within the meta of it they have to then make another movie to make money as a movie studio so then they have to cu- figure out a way to continue the fact that there are dinosaurs instead of saying oh this was a bad idea <laughs> you know, and it's kind of weird Right, leading to one of my favorite lines in all of movie history. Oh, here we go. Set it, set it up. Set it. Set it, it up. It's, they go to. They go to uh, whatever his name is, Richard Attenborough, and he says, "There is another island." <laughs> <laughs> ah, so funny. Which is just to me. I feel like they should just cut back to that line every single sequel. Well, sure, we, there's another island. Try the. Uh, you, try this. How about this delivery? There's another island. <laughs> There's another island. <laughs> There's another island. There is another island. There, there is another. Yeah, we could just be auditioning for well, Charlton Heston. No, no, no. There is another island. Oh, that's Kirk. Captain, there is a dinosaur. Even- yeah, you could just say we did that whole movie. It finished, and then then they went movie. You know, ten. There's another island. There's, There's another, another. I mean, at the end of each movie, they should just cut back to him going. There's a There's chain. Another island. There's a chain of. There's an archipelago of Jurassic Park islands, and they form the shape of a T Rex. There's a series of islands <laughs> governed by one large island, but if you visit all of them, you get a free pass. <laughs> The big island. You must buy your movie tickets in advance for yeah. the next five movies, which will, will feature this archipelago. Oh my God, Jurassic Archipelago! They could they could do that, like with the oh, Marvel yeah. Cinematic Universe, that the island universe. I think my one my main issue with it with a Frankenstein t- story is it's kind of a one shot deal. You have yeah. the you have the idea, and you tried to make the point. And now it's just, oh, we need to have another movie with dinosaurs. And I was like, okay, make another movie with dinosaurs. That's fine. It's like King Kong, make another King Kong. But there's just the one King Kong story. Right. Uh, You could remake it, but something like Dinotopia, um, you know, to make an even grander statement, it is like a Star Wars where there's a whole world there that could be explored in a bunch of a lot of dimensions not that i loved some of those directions they went to when disney took over the franchise but but there's a lot they can do with it well it's almost like uh when i was reading dinotopia which i think it's called dinotopia land a land apart from time 
that's right. the, the first book. Um, it reminded me, I'm getting back into D&D, and it's reminded me of a campaign setting a little bit, where it's like, here is this city. If you choose to be a Skybacks rider, you get 1d6 proficiency and fly, you know, like it lays out all the different areas. And you're like, oh, I could go here. I could go here. Like, because it is more of a, of a guidebook or a travelogue than a, than a novel. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And there's even elements of the film, uh, Lost Horizon. Yes. Well, Which, to be fair, yeah. I have not seen, but I know, <laughs> of. I mean, it's happened to well, a lot because you can't see every movie ever made, but I do, no, want, I mean, I, I do want to see it. I guarantee if somebody gave you a copy of the first Dinotopia book or a copy of Lost Horizon and was like, choose, I, I think nine out of 10 people would choose Dinotopia. Right. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. It doesn't uh, mean, well, as we said uh, it, uh, in, a, in a 300, in the trailer yeah. or something, it says like, we will send so many arrows towards you. You know, our arrows will blot out right. the sun. Yeah. And in the trailer, uh, I don't know the actor, Leonidas. Who was oh, the Gerard actor? Butler. Gerard Butler. I should, yeah, yeah. should remember. Okay. Gerard <laughs> Butler says that we will we will fight in the shade. That's what he says. But, yes, it but is. We yeah. used to, I know that we used to say uh, that what he should have said was, then we will surely die. <laughs> <laughs> then we will die instantly. Our arrows will blot out the sun. The sun. Then well, we will get perforated <laughs> within seconds. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't sound quite as yeah. no but i think what we were getting at is that we will fight in the shade is kind of like you had no time to he's like i just had the couple seconds to think of a response <laughs> for comeback if, yeah he's on the way to the you know to the stairwell and he's like oh should have thought i should have he's like spartan george costanza <laughs> yeah he's like, i should have said that <laughs> i could have said it I can't. so now we're really going to get into this <laughs> really gonna get into Dinotopia. We've talked about pretty much everything except Dinotopia. All right, we're gonna do this. All right. There's not much more to say about James Gurney as pertains to our discussion, correct? Yeah. He's just right. a cool guy, really good artist, has a he's, background in archaeology. I will say what sorry, one last thing. He's still on YouTube like today. Yes. He just posted a video the other day. He's posting lots of art stuff. Well so maybe just, we'll yeah, we could get him on if he doesn't if he doesn't I, find we shouldn't post this first. No. <laughs> then we'll get him we'll chat with him then I, he'll hear what we have to say i would be honored he seems like a really cool dude but yeah yeah so, uh, so that's that's uh james gurney mm-hmm. uh moving on to the original you talked about the painting was that an original was the painting kind of like a one-off like the pilot version of dinotopia was it that kind of a thing yeah, I think okay. just based on again, I just watched. He has some videos about Dinotopia on his channel, and I watched a couple of them for this. And I think that the waterfall painting and the parade painting right. were kind of the seeds of it. And then out of that, he was able to craft the whole book. Okay, so yeah, that's yeah. kind of like the they don't do this anymore, as far as I know. But the original Walt Disney films that were animated were done with storyboards and artist renderings. They had no right. screenplay. Yeah, they would just draw and draw and draw, and then from there they would have a little bit of dialogue that they would write. They hardly have any dialogue. You notice that when you see an animated, right, a Disney movie, they're mainly these images, and so in the same way, it feels like, oh, he made these original renderings from his own mind and imagination, mm-hmm. and then from there he could leap. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, go, goes into. And I'll just briefly say you can learn about both if you get the second or third editions or whatever of these books. They have photos and descriptions of how he made the paintings. And you can, like you yeah. said, he has a blog. He talks about it. He wrote books about art and drawing and painting. And like you said, he has the YouTube and he describes making maquettes, which is, I think, a version of a model. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, so a model. The difference is, I think, a maquette, uh, all maquettes are models, but not all models are maquettes or something like that. Yeah. Uh, the maquette is used to create your painting because you can be very talented and you still aren't going to know what it looks like at 13 degrees over a temple. Right. So you build it out of, uh, he just uses like old railroad models and other things. And he builds these amazing models, uh, maquettes, and then he gets exactly what he needs and takes a photo of it. And then he can paint that. Yeah. And that's why it looks so photorealistic. The main thing I would get to as a kid is, how does it look so real? How did he do that? What? What did? How is he such a genius? You know, now with the internet, you know. But at the time, you just had to feel like I don't know the secret. You know, I was thinking that even as an adult reading this, I was like, "How is? How are you able to do such?" Because some of the close-up paintings of the different characters, like the way he captures the expressions, like. It, you can tell there's like a something behind it, like a very clear reference. It's close to the reference point. Um, and I also read one of his influences was Norman Rockwell growing up. And if you know that, that kind of makes sense because the in terms of the figures and the faces, right? Um, there is sort of a again kind of a melding of styles going on here. Well, and Norman he loved drawing a T Rex. That, well, well, yes, there was that famous picture about that series about the different constitutional rights where he has the T-Rex, uh, the right to assemble, the, the, yep. the, the Velociraptors assembling for Thanksgiving dinner. You know, yep. a, the yeah. T-Rex is on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. Um, no, that, that was the end of uh, Planet of the Apes 7. Oh, yeah. Well, Return well, of the Reptile. Never... Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, and, and the dinosaur thing, I never quite got what he was doing there in terms of how he did it, but I, I guess because so many artists have created renderings of dinosaurs, he probably was able to get these different pictures that people had done, create a maquette, and then go from there. But yeah, I'm not totally sure. Kind of like a Ray Harryhausen stop-motion creature that would be sitting on his desk, I would think, something like that. I, I bet, yeah, there, there seems to be some overlap there, too, of, like, models and, and animation. Um, do you want to get into, let's just do maybe, like, a quick Reader's Digest of the first book? Yep. Yeah. So, which I have in front of me, so before we even get to the story proper, so the, the premise is that, of the first book, is that it's the journal... And like the notes discovered of Arthur Denison, the fictional explorer character. But there's a there's an author page at the beginning where he's James Gurney. He has a drawing of himself taking a book out of, I guess, his library or a library. He looks like he's in a college library. And he has this line. I was tracking down some information about the spice trade in China. when My eye fell upon a curious old leather bound sketchbook. And he talks about how he's in a university and I believe just... it's the Berkshire Athenaeum. Oh, okay. 
That's so the, that is that is a real library that he's in. Yeah, I believe it's oh, in cool. um, Pittsfield, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. and there are a few Athenaeums. It kind of is just a fancy term for a library with, but it's a library. Wait, that's in Massachusetts. It's in Pittsfield. We could go. Yeah, we gotta go. And also, when you're a kid, yeah, you know, I get, I get that this is kind of this is all made up. But there's just a part of you that's like, this is real. This happened. Yeah. We yeah. found this. Anyway, let's keep going. I'm well, sorry. There's so, like, if you were to present this to a child with no context, there's so many drawings and, like I said, like these maps that look real uh, that they you could fool a, a kid. You could have a kid just be like, yeah, Dinotopia. It's a country. This I is mean, a guidebook. Yeah. If you believe in quantum mechanics, and, again, <laughs> not a, I'm not a scientist with the – you know, a multi-dimensional world and a multiverse and things like that. Your mind doesn't have to leap very far to say this could be real. I don't know. It well, and it's a, it's a tribute to him that, like, because of the quality of the art and the depth of the world building in this, you're even as an adult. My brain just completely steamrolls past this, the many reasons why this doesn't make any sense and just goes straight to like, no, this is a real place. Like. Yeah. He's able He's able to leap you over, you know, to suspension of disbelief. We talk about it a lot casually, but it's not It's not always easy. Like a bad movie or something, you're immediately like, I don't believe any of this. But like, I think it's a, it's to his credit that like, I don't care that humans and dinosaurs didn't live at the same time. I still enjoy this. Well, it's okay. like the soft sell, basically. It's like someone yeah. selling you laundry detergent. Like, hey, you having a bad day? Yeah, I am kind of having a bad day. You ever think about having like your clothes are kind of dirtier than I thought? Yeah, you know, how about buy laundry detergent? Oh, good. I mean, that's <laughs> what's going on. Like, hey, you like dinosaurs? Yeah, I do. You like, what do you think? Adventures? Sure. How about people living with dinosaurs? All right. Okay. I'm in. Oh, that's, that's great. I mean, that's really all you had to say is a society where human and dinosaur work side by side. Right. Uh, it's a kid's dream because think about when you're watching Jurassic, let's just call it JP. When you're watching uh, JP, it's about, you know, there's a little bit of, there's some passive dinosaurs in there. For the most part, you're afraid of the dinosaur and it's chasing after you. But what yeah. do you do when you are a little kid with your dinosaur uh, models, your little guys? You're playing with them. Right. You're Well, there's a lot about how kids identify with dinosaurs the same way kids identify with monsters and trucks and all these, because, you know, because there's something so kind of innocent about them, but also powerful. So it's like you get to be like uh, a big lizard who gets to have simple things, you know, gets to eat and destroy stuff. Yeah, but, I would agree. Yeah, yeah, but but anyways, we can but we can also go into because in a way, because Dinotopia isn't quite that though, because it's a little more mature. Because and I think this is maybe one of the issues with, that the franchise has had is that it's not really for it does fulfill on that level, but it's not really for small kids. It's like. I don't think small kids would really care about the many different dino Senate hearings that are in the. No, no, no. It's that uh, (laughs) in my mind, it's that you've moved from that phase, but someone said, you know what? You're not quite done with dinosaurs. Right. I know you think you're a little bit older now, but dinosaurs don't want to leave you yet. Guess what? The dinosaurs are pulling you back in. (laughs) Well, and you know, I'm not a paleontologist. I didn't go into that in any way, but I will say that, Recently, I went to Dinosaur Footprints, 
and right yeah yeah and it was a very uh moving experience and i realized oh i i'm still that kid Mm -hmm. that is thinking about dinosaurs not as a scary thing but as something i'm really connected to and feel this wonder about Mm -hmm. and so um in that way something like this fiction keeps that alive right so anyway, we'll we'll, we'll get right, through so this. Let's go. Let's finally get to the. So this the premise of uh, Dinotopia Land Apart from Time, the first book, is that it's the journals of mostly Arthur Dennison, an explorer uh, in 1862, uh, and his son Will, uh, who are shipwrecked and saved by dolphins and brought to this mysterious continent of Dinotopia, this large island. Um, they discover when they get there that dinosaurs exist, but humans also exist and they coexist in different cities and settlements around this island. There's, uh, several capitals, um, and this whole world, it has its own, uh, language, its own sort of social structure. There's like a sorting hat-esque ceremony that they add in the movie, but is alluded to in the books about, how children grow up and they join the sky, the skybacks or the pterodactyl riders, the sky core. And I think there's also like a sea that you, it could be this, the sea, the land or the sky or the three different um, sort of areas you can choose to specialize in. They meet a, I, she's not a triceratops. I forget the exact species, but a dinosaur named Bix, who is a dinosaur ambassador who can speak to the different languages because she actually has kind of similar to parrots, uh, like vocal cords. So she can mimic different forms of speech. Um, that's another thing is they talk about the dinosaur dinosaurs. These are, these are not just basic dinosaurs. These are dinosaurs that have a kind of sentience so that they can read, they can write. And even though they often appear carrying humans around and doing menial things, they have at least, you know, as far as we see, equal rights to humans. They, they, every region has a dinosaur and human ambassador, like like government representative to the dinosaur senate. Um, there's parts of the miniseries that are basically Dinotopia C-SPAN, where they just have people uh, arguing, and they'll just cut to a CG, you know, uh, archaeosaur or whatever it's called, uh, yelling, roaring. Uh, so in this book, you get to see these different regions. You get to see Waterfall City, which is one of the major cities. Uh, Puktuk, you get to see the Treetop City. You meet these different characters. And there is, he's only on two pages, but there's a character named Lee Crab who wears a tall hat and has kind of a shifty expression. And he shows up basically to say like, oh, I think humans are technically enslaved by the dinosaurs here and they shouldn't have to live under the scalies they don't touch on it much the first book no because he's just somebody arthur meets well because again it's presented as like a a diary Mm -hmm. and eventually arthur goes to explore the world beneath which is this underground uh, cavern civilization with ties to the origin of dinosopia um, and he disappears, and then Will takes up the main narrative. He meets a girl named Sylvia. They both join the Skybacks Corps. I think it's implied that they fall in love um, and and grow up and 
I don't know if I don't know if they get married in Dinotopia, but they uh, definitely have kids because that plays into the miniseries. Um, but uh, anyway, so Will takes up his journal, and I was a little confused at the way time goes in this book because how they mark the years, like when he's writing down like 1862, 1866. But I think Arthur disappears for five years and then comes back. Because then there's another page, but they don't tell you exactly how much time has passed. But I don't um, think he. I don't sure that he comes back. It's that the journal goes through the portal, and is found. Oh well, they he does come back though because World Beneath takes place after he returns. But doesn't his son stay? Do you think the his son, son stays? Well, no. He sorry. He comes. He went to the World Beneath and comes back above to Dinotope to. Um, the cities, world. yeah, the cities in the island. They don't return to our world. They stay in Dinotopia, but I just mean like because he goes underground and then comes back up. Oh, well, so that was. Be- I'm just a little confused. So you're saying the journal gets to um, our world through unknown means. Yes, I think it is eventually. Uh, James Gurney discovers it in the Athenaeum somehow so it's not clear how the journal gets here but this book ends this so like three quarters of the first diatopia book is arthur denison's journal then he's like i'm gonna go to the world beneath then it switches over to will oh, okay, Will's like, okay. my father has been gone for some time and then he talks about being a skybax uh and then a skybax writer and then at the end of his part arthur comes back and he talks about how he was in the world beneath it's like Dinah this- to go ahead no, and then I was going to say, and that's how the first book ends. The second book, which is not a guidebook, it's more of a straightforward adventure story, is about going into the world beneath. So it's... Yes. Arthur, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like Dinotopia is, or the the original conception, going to another reference, when Disneyland was built, it was like you could do everything in one day. Go to Tomorrowland. Go here, go here, go here. And you'd see it. And then... Um, you know, that's like Dinotopia, the, the original book. Like, I'm going to show you everything <laughs> that's here. And then they built Disney World, and that had a million. You could never see everything. Oh. And so, right. So then in the same way, now he's going to say, okay, here's this book. I'm going to show you this part. Here's another book. And then by that point, I was like, wasn't as interested I know, it's like they have Dinotopia, you know, San Diego, Dinotopia over <laughs> Europe, Dinotopia Tokyo, you know, all these different expansions. And after a while, yeah. Now, as we, we keep going, I just have to mention that as far we we saw on Wikipedia that uh, George Lucas m- had a meeting with James Gurney or his people had a meeting or something. There was like, ideas exchanged in the early 90s. <laughs> and some of that imagery seems to appear in the Phantom Menace and the other prequels. Yes, I think George Lucas uh, knocked James Gurney over the head with the copy of Dinotopia and then stole all of his notes and made the Gunkins. That's my theory. Of, I have an know. idea here. Can oh. I just take all of your books and uh, do it? Can I just put it in my movies? And they're good. <laughs> Because it's one thing that they really need is the Gungans. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it, it's hard not to. Well, especially again, like the government and the the focus on uh, democracy and and the Senate and all that stuff did remind me of the prequels. Of, yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. So we kind of covered. Notice there with uh, when uh, Andy is describing the book that it's not very plot heavy, and that's kind of the point. The point of it really is to just look at this world mm-hmm. that he created, right? I mean, that's how I see it. Yeah, I agree. Um, though I will say we we should touch on briefly the uh, two of my favorite parts of it are the treetop culture that does seems yes. to sustain itself on cashews and like blueberries or something <laughs> it seems to be all they're eating in this in this fantastic tree uh tree house world yes. of, of ewok like a robin hood like and they're diving off of trees into water with brontosauruses i'm like oh I want to be there. I don't know what else to say about that. But, it's it's really yeah. It's it's kind of hard to to not react like just get sucked into this. Like looking at how intricate these drawings are, and just it feels like like you can smell. I mean, again, not to be cliche, but like you can smell some of these like drawings. Oh, yeah, he just has a he has a gift. Yeah, you know that he just is uses all the time and the other place is this play uh, so the uh, did we mention that the stories diverge and uh will diverges from his dad yeah. in the story kind of classic yes. this is the closest you'll get to a plot is they <laughs> land there and the two diverge and come back together yeah and will goes on these always adventures but the one main one is that he ends up in again this shangri-la type temple which mm-hmm. there are temples like this that are built out in the Himalayas and so on, but nothing of this grandeur. And I mean, no. no offense to them, but just it's very intricate with like this labyrinthine temple with the map room that looks out over the snow and the and the. This is in the first one, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. I'm looking. Yeah. I'm looking at the picture right now. If the listener, if the listeners, wondering what's going on, I tried to get the copy and I, I couldn't get the copy in time. But I've read this book so often that it didn't really matter in my mind. Those following at home, please turn to page one forty. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Exactly. So that those are some of my favorite parts from that. And then the sun gets into being a skybacks, which is going to yes. shorthand. I don't. There's, no one ever called a dinosaur skybacks, but it's a tire pterodactyl essentially that they ride yeah. like a uh, like a winged kind of like a fighter jet in right. these canyons that look like the grand canyon and right. he must have used the grand canyon as reference and then uh he becomes this meddled skybacks officer <laughs> i don't know what to call, call it and then he returns and that was one of the books i got as a kid it was as a paperback for yes. Christmas or something, and I'm reading and I'm going, man, this stinks. <laughs> you know, where are the pictures? Yeah, but, it uh, sort of feels like without the art, you're working at a major, you really got to make up for that disadvantage. You're because... at a disadvantage. And the fact that yeah. it is shaped when that landscapes uh, style, uh, yeah. what we call that when we print, but that horizontal uh, uh, direction of the paper is like a cinema screen. Right. So he can really right. work well, that's with a, that. Yeah, well, that adds to the yeah the immersion. With exactly the immersion, when yeah. you pull it out too, you got double. So you got two pages. You had two feet 
of of uh, paint staring at you of a T Rex. But then there's also just like because there's one where I'm trying to find it. It's literally just two plants. Like there's mm. one plant and then there's another plant on the other mm. side, and and then there's text in between. So it's like parts of it because it's always switching between different things. Because like you might see this giant panorama of a canyon, or you might see like a description of one flower mm-hmm. that was found. Like it can go from macro to micro. Right. Really yeah. Right. It's like a yeah. symphony. Uh, it could go very, you know, huge with every instrument going full bore yeah. or it could be just like a single little, you know, triangle dinging. Like it just yeah. depends on what he's trying to get you into this world. Sometimes it's very big, like the pictures are uh, bird's eye views of landscapes. And then they're sometimes they're as if you were in the city street looking at it. And some of those were those city streets were sort of the closest when I watched the miniseries was to, yeah. to, to sort of foreshadow our next topic is that the <laughs> it's a well that was sort of the closest I thought to Gernidian Gernidian yes. feel was the um, the streetscapes and so on. Yeah, I think they did a decent job with the costumes and and rendering some of the streets, but it's just it it. It must be difficult to, I think part of the reason there hasn't been more adapted is because it's just so hard to really translate this, I think, to any other medium. I mean, I think it could be done, but it's hard. As you said, it's hard. It's like trying to take a Dostoevsky novel and turn it into a movie. It's been done, but it's difficult because it's, how do you do that? It's too rich. Right. The best thing you could hope for is something that's its own thing, but just as good. You're never going to reproduce the same feeling of looking through these, like, this faux cursive writing describing, like, people sliding down a brachiosaurus. It is what it is. The imagination yeah. is what it is. It can't, yeah. you know, uh, it, uh, the, the the headset <laughs> or whatever, if you, yeah. the virtual, it would be that. That would be what it was, but that's not the same as filling it in. And again, maybe that is just a kid thing by default. Right. Uh, uh, an, an adult is not able to do that because you're thinking um, whatever, you know, you're thinking about the, the thoughts that you have on your mind, things you got to do. The kid is able to just boom, I'm there. Yeah. Um, you know, but as you said, you were also immersed in yeah. it. So it can yeah. happen. I mean, it's it's there. Yeah, that's what I, I, again, I feel like if enough, if it's done well, then you can sidestep a lot. You know, I can forgive a lot if the payoff is Dinotopia. If the payoff is like something this rich and like has this much depth to it, then yeah, I'm willing to overlook any of the quibbles or any of the other things that might pull me out of it. I mean, I would look at the Waterfall City, which I think has more than, in the original book, has more than one vista of this waterfall yeah. city there's other images and walking around and so on but there's these vistas where you see different angles there's a giant globe like a world's fair see that's the other thing he's borrowing from all kinds of things including world's fairs right yeah and so there's a big globe that's part of the library mm-hmm. and the like now this is an interesting thing the librarian there's an assistant and a and a, and a head librarian yes and i believe in both the assistant is a human and the mm-hmm. head librarian is a dinosaur, kind of like a smaller, not a raptor, but yeah, type creature. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that the case? In in 
Right. I, I think so. I'm trying to find who you're referring to. Does it not, the librarian of Dinotopia has kind of like this shock of white hair. That was like a wizard. Yes, Nalab, I think is. But his is name. he? I think he's the assistant, and that's yes. what I thought was kind of. There is a at the you know it's a little hum. It's a hum, but it's this is a book about tolerance. It is well, um, and, yeah. And the fact that the assistant is a human, and that the guy who leads it is a dinosaur. And I'm pretty sure this is in the book. Um, the miniseries is fresh in my mind because I just watched it. But in that, they talk about how humans and, and dinosaurs or saurians, as they say, will pair. So you'll grow up with a dinosaur right. kind of part. Yeah. Right. So, I yeah, like that. So and you're supposed to be uh, equal. Um, so, yeah, Nalab is the the uh, guy with the frizzed white hair. There's also Malik, the timekeeper, who I believe is a, di- is a dinosaur, maybe not a raptor. I oh, also so maybe to- I'm wrong. The dino- so the librarian is a human in the book? Um, no, no, no. I think you're right. I think the librarian is the assistant. Hold on. Da-da-da-da. Yes, Enid is the dinosaur, the chief librarian. Okay, see, so I like that. That's the yeah. thing of, about tolerance, that the dinosaur is an intelligent and he's the yeah. lead guy. That's very, uh, it feels kind of Star Trek. It is Star Trek. It definitely, there's a lot of Star Trek ringing with that. Um, Is the clock that has the spiral telling of time in World Beneath or in Dinotopia? It's in Dinotopia, and I was just about to get to that. Because it's Malik, the timekeeper. This is another thing where they have their own conception of time. Yeah, spiral. Spiral, yes, which feels a little like that's um, that's how you st- Oh, what were you gonna say? I was just say it's definitely like kind of this new age. It tiptoes in that new age amalgamation of things because it's like right. Uh, the whole Earth has a heartbeat is literally one line, <laughs> and like they talk about like you don't have a time is not just one thing. It is this long thing, which is an interesting thing and an interesting thing they build into it. But it did just make me think like, oh yeah, this is very nineties, like this nineties idea of, mm-hmm. um, you know, the it, it sort of like mushing everything to get all these different kind of faux Native American and, and Tibetan, <laughs> Tibetan things together and to like, uh, oh yeah, listen to the earth. But well, certainly it, an, a, it is an cool. Eastern thing in yes, my mind yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's about cycles. Cause isn't that yeah. if you marry the, the concepts of linearity with a cycle, instead of getting a circle uh, or a line, you get a spiral. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's think he's thinking, he's throwing a lot of stuff out there that I know, you this know, is- yeah. works because i remember well go ahead go ahead because i was just gonna say this is so dense like again the whole the, this part about the timekeeper and the spiral clock which again is just a fascinating thing to see this giant spiral with a, a sort of uh, measurement uh kind of like a compass device that goes up for different things um and sort of tracks like time in rel- in relation to previous things as opposed to like one like like series of cycles that could be an entire book there could be like a stephen hawking of dinosaurs that publishes an entire book just about that like that one thing occupies like two pages in the book and we could easily talk about that for like another hour well it's a throwaway in the way right and yet it's so dense and that's what uh you know (laughs) 
I don't remember the quote exactly, but something about Ernest Hemingway said something like, you know, you want to say as little as you need to say because the reader will understand how much you know about the topic uh, by the the way you write about it. Uh, and he said the other way around is it doesn't matter how much you write. If you don't know enough, the reader will also know <laughs> that you don't know what you're talking about. So I thought that's a great idea that you should know way more about your topic and than what you put on the page. And Just, it's yeah. a short book in terms of writing, like, right. you know, in terms of words, it's not long. Well, that was another funny thing I was going to say is like, you know, I'm a 35 year old adult man reading Dinotopia in 2023. And it took me like multiple nights to read through this, this first book. The second book was a lot faster because it is more of an adventure story. and It is more of a uh, coherent uh, plot. But this first one, it was like, you know, I just remember keep going back to it and having to and also so they have the language and they have a footprint alphabet that they put in this book and the second book and then there'll be messages in the book written in this alphabet and if i i would have been a hundred percent into that if i had found that as a kid of like you could go back to the alphabet and translate the messages and you'll read you'll uncover certain things um and none of it's like you know yeah they show it to you right because it's 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 it's, uh it's is it do they show you an alphabet with with the phonetic i think they do in the first book they definitely do in the second book because it's actually Um, just a little bit of a a cheat because you're really looking at english with well yeah footprints but as for a kid that's cool well and also it is a little it does kind of teach you the basics of reading another language uh or just reading in code i guess yeah uh, that's what it is yeah, when you recognize or sim- symbology, I guess, like when you recognize, like they're like, oh, these two footprints mean the letter A, or this one footprint's letter A, these two things mean B, whatever. Um, then when you start to realize, oh, those three things, <laughs> like it was happening to me as I was reading this, I was like, oh, look at that, those three symbols are together. That means the. So that's a the. So that means it. And I started doing. It's like the Sherlock Holmes story of the Dancing Men, where he tells you how to basically decipher a code from scratch oh yeah cipher like, that's yeah. what is it a yeah, decipher? Deci- yeah decipher code. like my brain was already going into this and that's yeah. when i i sent you a text if i was walking around back from the farmer's market and i looked down at the cement on the sidewalk and i saw pigeon tracks and there was a part of me that was like okay that's a that's a f that's a that's a e and then i was like i had to shake my head and be like, like so it gets it's it's funny that it's simple but it's it gets into you enough that you start (laughs) well i was gonna say i don't want to uh uh uh, tell tales out of school here too much but i think when you first said yeah i'll I'll, uh that'd be fun to discuss i think it was a little bit like oh yeah let me look at it and i'll try and remember it and then we'll have a discussion but sort of as we kept going and you were kind of keeping me uh, aware of what you were doing it was like yeah i'm like really reading it now this is pretty <laughs> neat and then it was like yeah so i'm getting all the i'm getting the other books and i'm really looking at it and you're like you know as a okay i'm watching it all and yeah. I, it was fun to see you get get as excited as i am about it i know thank god you're not a scientologist <laughs> yeah, exactly. You hadn't been like, hey, Andy, check out this book, Dianetics. And then well, I mean, I you, well, I'm on the trade winds now, Trevor. Yeah. Yeah. Geez, uh, hey, hey. You know, it, oh, boy. Just uh, <laughs> right. 
<laughs> no, uh, but I did. I did really. I mean, this is a, a theme of our friendship. Part of it is like you'll bring up these things, and maybe it'll take me a while to get to it. But then when I get to it, I'm like, oh no, this is this is fascinating. Well, and I owe you. Yeah. I owe you uh, uh, perhaps forever because of Red Dwarf. Who knows? Oh, so yeah. I have to always be uh, telling you something. Um, but uh, so and Irving Finkel, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you've had many. There's, there's been yeah. many, and 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 why not? He could be on here too. That would be. Fun. I would. I mean, again, that would be like a highlight of my life. If we could talk to that guy. <laughs> that that he is, he is a repository of knowledge. Yeah, but, he's kind of like this other world, you know. Because when you listen to that man speak, it's like your brain just again. It's like it lights up. You're just like, it's like someone jabs you with an electrical signal. <laughs> Where I would pay at least for me, you know. Yeah, I would pay him money to do one of his lectures about Dinotopia, as if Dinotopia was a real. Yeah, we could. Thing. I would love to get him on and see if he could do a counterpoint of his knowledge of Babylon, Sumerian, uh, Assyrian uh, societies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to, I want to say. And, we're, and we're like, no, we just want to talk about Waterfall City. Yeah, we can just you, want to can talk you about take Pope, that Pope. knowledge and yeah. bring it to Dinotopia? Bring it to Dinotopia. Well, so I guess maybe this could be, I don't know if you want to talk we're about We're going to move on to World Beneath. To World Beneath, because one of the themes of World Beneath is the exchange of cultures, because they talk about how Dinotopian culture uh, was sort of kind of like ancient aliens, except it's dinosaurs. So it's like Dinotopian culture sort of filtered out and led to all the other human cultures. And then it came back because then these shipwrecked humans would land on Dinotopia. And there's another thing, part of the reason um, everybody, you see people in different styles of clothing is because people wash up from different eras. And he comes, there's a, there's a convenient, uh, life elongating tea that will help you live longer uh so it doesn't make you immortal but so you might have somebody from like the 1700s like or 1500s walking around and again the first book takes place in the 1860s so they're already like people there from a few centuries before but i don't so, think yeah. that land it's never quite said if dinotopia is in an is in a portal to another world like it's not on our world. It's not in our. No, world. I think it. Well, it's, my understanding, yeah, maybe it's it's ambiguous, but I thought it is on our world. It's a lost island, and this island, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this island at one point was closer before continental drift was closer to the other continents, and then there was you know these vast civilizations that, uh, uh, or sorry, these these cities that spread out and influence other civilizations. So like Egypt and Greece and China and all these different places. And, and then it comes full circle because then you get people in the later yeah. centuries washing back up and joining Dinotopia. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. perfectly simple. Yeah. I mean, this is now we're getting into Greek mythology, Greek philosophy, because this is like Plato's theories of Atlantis. Right. I mean, it's not a theory. It's just a story. No, it was told. a metaphor. Yeah. People think that it was real. It was It was a thought exercise. Right. Think, yeah. But, um, okay, this is interesting. Yeah. Let's put a pin in that and keep going. Okay. World Beneath? Um, yes. Okay, let me switch. switch I have, I have World Beneath. Yes, I have it too. 
So this is the one, this is, like I said, more of a straightforward narrative. Mm -hmm. And it also has kind of two different uh, plots that converge um, with Arthur gathering an expedition together to go underground back to the world beneath and Will flying around and trying to herd uh, dinosaurs away from the uh, carnivores. Because another thing I, I meant to mention before uh, they mentioned in the first book, we're, we are all vegetarians. So all of the dinosaurs in most of the Dinotopian cities are vegetarians, the herbivores, and the humans have all become vegetarians. But there are carnivores out there, and they live in these like valleys. I think there's like rainy valley is one of them. Um, and they eat, the herbivores will give them fish to eat. Um I think it's implied that at some point the carnivores may have eaten because they are also sentient because that's the other thing. So they have the same kind of awareness that these herbivores do, but they're kind of like, they're not evil. They're just kind of like this other, because it's not like land before time where they're afraid of the dinosaurs until they meet a good, uh, the the T-Rexes until they meet a good one. It's like, they are like just their own society. And in, in world beneath, they kind of make contact with them. They find out that, the T-Rexes aren't so bad. They're just, they're living their own lives in a separate section. So I think he was really trying to have, you know, sentient dinosaurs without having to deal with like, oh, the senator was just eaten, but you know, or like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or pawn far for T-Rex where <laughs> once a year he has to eat, yeah. you know, a bunch of dinosaurs and then he can, then he's fine. And he might he might eat like the arch chancellor or like the astronomer. It's like, no, that dinosaur was working on a novel. <laughs> that Brontosaurus had just finished composing a symphony. You know. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I I don't know how I feel. Again, I I'm gonna let that go. There, there okay. there's it's like a a, a, a a an issue that doesn't have an answer. About... No, I think he did the best he could with yeah. it because he wanted to have all of them there. I appreciate in World Beneath that they're there and they're like allowed to not be. They're not just mindless predators. They're also they're also they also have their own society. They just they for obvious reasons don't live alongside the herbivores, but but they're there. So I appreciate that he didn't just because he could have just not had them there or had them there and have them also be vegetarian. He could have come up with something really stupid, and I think he did try to make it make sense so right as much um, as you could yeah now we're gonna go a bit to okay we're in we're in dinotopia there's a <laughs> cinematic it has i would say world i'm gonna go so far as to say that it's tough but dinotopia the world beneath is a little bit better in, oh my god yeah in the sense that it's like really a movie I mean, it, as a story, like it's obviously nothing's gonna nothing's gonna replace Dinotopia, the original. But yeah. in terms of a, the story yeah. and the cinema, like here it has this the 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 skybacks flying across the uh, waterfalls in Waterfall mm-hmm. City, and it says Dinotopia, the world beneath, and it just seems like a movie. Yeah, and then you go here; they're doing the skyback stuff, and then. They just this shot over. He's he's kind of been an inventor. We didn't go into that. Oh but yeah, Arthur is that uh, is getting into this contraption mm-hmm. that is not an airplane. So it's you know this thing's gonna fail. 
So there's this great image of the old wizard-like assistant. Is he the timekeeper, the assistant guy? Yeah, Nalab. Yeah. Yeah, and he's going, pull up! <laughs> yes. <laughs> pull up! Anyway, we, we skip ahead. There it is. Pull up! Pull up! <laughs> kind of go on and on and on. Um, they have this kind of meeting. We're going to keep moving here. And we're going to look at, we get another really good look at Waterfall City at this Nat Ge- it's a National Geographic style rendering of, <laughs> of, of the city. It is a real place you can go to. Yeah, and it's like, Wow, you can't think of a more dangerous place to put a city, but that's what makes it cool as a yeah. kid. And the dining commons, it's like dining commons. Is this a a city or or a um? What is this college campus? Yeah, is it a college campus? Is it exactly? The first book especially almost felt like a retirement brochure. Like, come to Dinot- spend your twilight years in Dinotopia. I mean, there's, there's a place called Juggler's Plaza. <laughs> and uh, I kind of want to see, I'd like to see the painting without the the type. Just to see it as it was originally intended. Right. The Bridge of Winds. I mean, there is the the, the Haven of the Muses. This is the Banquet Hall. I don't even quite know what it is. It's like it it's leaving it open to is this public space, private space? You know, can you go to the Haven of the Muses anytime? Do you need a pass? I don't know. I'm sure Yeah, no no no, I agree. Them. I agree. It's kind of um there's hot baths, like there's so much stuff. Yeah, there's some Roman stuff. So anyway, we get to this this basic story is they go into the world beneath. We don't have to go into the exact plot, but there's no. this whole world underneath hence world beneath mm-hmm. and they go through one of my favorite parts of this book is the sh- oh, water shoot yeah the uh, essential maybe that's why it's my when i go to a, a if i'm at a, a an amusement park that's like my favorite thing is the water flume because i'm like it's dinotopia <laughs> i'm going down this water flume it's literally like to leave Waterfall City, you have to get in a raft and go down this huge flume ride. Yes. Which is amazing. I mean, again, you know, just imagine like having to do this and they show you like the boat that they're in going around the corner. <laughs> yes. And, yeah. Yes. That's it, the best part. It's like a ride. It's like even. You don't even need the theme park. You can just read that and just imagine it. Yeah. No, I I know. What yeah. maybe? What if you just said like, "Hey guys, like, could we um, could we uh, maybe we just need steps and we could leave." <laughs> but I guess they're saying there's no other way because it's up on this lee. Yeah, well, and I think I think that's the because of the way it's positioned. It's like there's it's on yeah. the waterfall, like you said. So you have to go down that way. Yeah. How do you get cargo in there on the other side? I think that was one thought I had. Like, because this is the outro is down this thing, but it, do you literally have this that river, the huge deluge coming at the city? It, does someone come in and be like, "All right, we got a hundred pounds of acorns here for the brontosauruses." Yeah. Yeah, okay. Let's I, keep I think there's like trade routes. You know, I'd be surprised if there's not something that answers your question. Most I would agree that. Yeah. yeah. Wait, say that again. I would say I think that there is 
there is like a trade route or something that avoids that so that they they are able to get goods in from other parts because it's not all like it's on the waterfall but they can still access it from the land before it oh yeah gurney's done it all gurney has it all figured out i I feel like even yeah even though i talked about suspension of disbelief i feel like there's an answer to a lot of things oh yeah gurney's thought about it he just realized he can't put it all in but he's got a you know, a, a leather-bound book that he would pull out and say, yeah, I wrote the trade routes to uh, Waterfall City. Don't worry. He's like, you should have seen, I wanted to publish this at its own book, Trade Routes of Dinotopia. <laughs> For some reason, they didn't uh, think people would read that. And meanwhile, no. meanwhile, 12-year-old, 12-year-old Trevor is like, yes, I'll have Trade Routes of Dinotopia, Volume 8. I'm going to be taking this to the reading room. Yeah. Yes, I'm looking for the poundage of grain and the price in dinosaur dollars. Um, yes, the history of the Dinotopian economy. Well, they actually say it's based on barter in one of the... So oh, that's, that's right. Cool. That's right. It's also adding to the utopia. You oh, know, yeah. there's, no, there's no money. There's no... There's no money. There's, there's no fear no, like, here. There's no fear. Oh, wait. What was that? Fr- it's just every other Star Trek was something like that. There's no fear here. There's no fear here. There's I no hate. Was, yeah, there's no hate. There's no um, hate. Well, unless you're a crab, C R A B. Yeah. So, crab, so yeah. we're we're gonna get into crabs' world, the dingy side, a little bit yes. of the dingy he's throwing in. This wonderful kind of uh, uh, Asian themed tavern with these crystals that somehow would light up uh, mm-hmm. in some miraculous way with uh, some far away ray of light it doesn't make any sense well we didn't even talk about the sunstones yeah that's what yeah, yeah the that's energy the yeah that's like their source of energy oh, um, right we don't need to yeah. go they don't actually go into it that much in the books but it's not a in the large book. part of the miniseries it, yeah in the they, mini it's a regrettably large part of the miniseries crab crab gets him to go we don't need to go in all the details uh but he goes into this underworld and then we get a lot of these cross-cut looks into the underworld so you're looking yeah. into kind of the caves mm-hmm. which is uh the 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 caves of these underground places again each uh i think i looked at each painting the amount of time that gurney painted them yes it feels like you're watching this get manifested yeah like i want to say to him like are you okay is it i like do you need to sit down i mean how many hours are you working a week that you are, are making a full-scale model of the underworld, the, the world beneath of Dinotopia? And it's it's incredibly detailed. I know. I hope he was able to, like, take, like, a long, like, vacation. Yeah. Just, like, curl up and eat a loaf of banana bread. I was going to say, like, have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Oh, just kind yeah. Of, I would be doing that. Go I for mean, a walk. I just try to, yeah. I try to write, like, a short story like a page and i'm like I'm yes i yeah well we both like to uh write and i'm i'm trying to write something and it's like it's difficult so then imagine yeah, well, i was just, just saying i can't even imagine doing something like this like this must just take so much out of you i think i think yeah. and i mean you just wonder and now we get into the 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 dinosaur gods yeah you, know, you could right. say some of their they find these ancient tombs filled with um dinosaur uh kind of like egyptian gods but instead of a jackal's head it's a dinosaur's head and you could say is that irreverent well i think he's doing his best to try and be respectful okay let's just say if you have the book um for those at home 
and Andy, 75, page 75. It's, it's uh, some sort of nuns. I, I don't know. <laughs> they're like they're like church church this is like a medieval painting or like an 18th century painting of something like a romantic style and then there's just like a diplodocus and a child's expression is kind of like i really am in this dinotopia painting aren't i like kind of not bewilderment like not really sure well there's a painting in the first book where it's will asleep in a barn surrounded by brontosauruses with Bix next to him. And it looks like a nativity scene. It looks like Jesus, but he's surrounded by brontosauruses. And I'm just like, <laughs> this is, and that's why there's, there's something kind of uh, almost, I don't want to say perverse, but almost like he's like poking fun at famous paintings or something, you know, like painting a mustache on the Mona Lisa. So it's like, I'm going to draw this classical romantic style painting and then just have a dinosaur in there. Oh, I think that is, I think that is true. He's kind of like uh, Bruce Lee, where Bruce Lee could take all of the, he learned all of the martial arts and said, I can do all of them. Yeah. And and then I can have fun with it and make movies and do all. So he's just this incredibly talented martial artist. And, you know, I feel feel like like the best, yeah, the best artists, like, like, take a bunch of stuff and then fuse it all together or just like yeah i think uh yeah. prince prince was like that you know he yeah. just could do anything he could do jazz he could do hard rock he could do everything oh, and yeah. then just do fusion and then pop so mm-hmm. you yeah, you someone who's like i think my feeling of it is the better you get at something or the more time you put into it you start to not see the differences between the genres right that it's you you know there's only how many paint colors right there's only so many tones (laughs) so many so many musical notes so it just yeah if you if you know what to look for you can see the influences so we're getting through this anyways so so world beneath has a lot of great well we should also say going with this adventure (laughs) underneath the world just as kind of like here's another thing under the world that's why i said it's a little bit more on plot but they find these old structure uh these kind of crab like it's the guy's name is crab but they find these there's a steampunk element to yeah. it because they have these steampunk creature mechanical creatures that they find oh uh, yeah the but, strutter yeah yeah the strutters that you can drive now we have these sunstones again the sunstones is is uh is it you wonder too is it um ever ever giving everlasting life does this energy from this crystal like stone last forever or is it depleting i don't know i don't maybe they go into it but i'm sure gurney has written about that's another thing the sun (laughs) stone energy system that might be our eventual segue into the the miniseries because that's that's yeah we'll get to that but just yeah just to finish (laughs) this up so the major things are they find the city they learn more about Ogthar, who is like the mythical god king of the Dinotopians, and is supposedly, and this part I was a little fuzzy on, but I think he was, he's said to have been half human, half dinosaur. I don't know if it's implied that that's real, or that's just, he's a symbol of the, I guess they leave it a little open-ended, but that's, he's he's a symbol of Dinotopia because he's both. But mm. he dates back to, so... Uh, the dinosaurs survived the extinction event, the meteor, 
um, that hit the earth by going underground. And that became the world beneath. That became the civilization under there. And Ogthar was the one who discovered the sunstone. There's a secret message you can decode that says he stole the sunstone. Um, but then there's another one that says, beware the sunstone. Uh, and there's so, another one that says, buy more oval team. Yeah, I was just about to say, I felt like uh, Ralphie from the... Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Little Orphan, uh, Ogthar. But uh, so then there's the whole... So they find the strutters, which are these mechanical, sort of like mech dinosaurs that you can pilot around. And then, you know, in in something that makes great sense, tons of judgment, Lee Crab is like, hey, you guys take... All the good guys, you take that one. I'll take my own up to the surface. Like, okay, we can trust him. Uh, spoilers, you can't trust him. He tries to make a break for the mainland, and he has this... He's like, I'm going to go, like, sell the the plans of this. We're going to make, like, war machines and come back and take over Dinotopia because he hates dinosaurs. But there's a big action scene, chase sequence, and Arthur manages to uh, get there and jump on his, his strutter. They capture him. He's like captured by the dinosaur guards, and uh, I think he's in the later books. So, um, yeah, so that's that's how this one ends. And also, there's a character named Oriana who is a musician who had half of the key to get into the world beneath. Arthur had the other one, and I think they end up uh, they end up falling in love and marrying or or becoming a couple at the end, um, which also sets up stuff in the movie. So yeah. <laughs> Um, but they prevent capture. him from going back. They capture Mr. Crab. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so they get Crab. Basically, yeah. World Beneath ends. Yeah, so that's the... I know we're speeding through this. We're you not spoiling the total. We're just no. giving you the basic... I mean, if you didn't think Crab was going to get... I mean, I guess he could have pulled up... He's sort of like a Long John Silver type. Yeah, he is, he's kind of like a, and, a pirate smuggler character. Smuggler, yeah. That yeah. could be its own... Again, was that could that be a book like or a video game where it's like, "Welcome to Crab's Tavern. Where would you like to go?" You know, yeah. press A for. This is turning into Kramer. Do they you just tell me where you? Yeah. Right. Why don't you just but, tell me which part of Dinotopia you'd like to go to? You have chosen well, the lower tone. What does that mean? There's a lot of absurd hats in this series, and he has one of the most absurd. It's like a wizard's hat, but it has yes. like dino teeth or it's alligator teeth or something. Sort of like sitting low, low on his forehead. I think they call that, is that a, like a slouch hat where it's like you have one half of the brim is like over one of his eyes. So he's always wearing this hat and like, yeah, he always looks like he's up to no good. All his faces, he makes these kind of like uh scowly face well he ha he seems to have something a garland of i mean one one is worried about what they are but on his hat is a garland of right dinosaur toes i mean i don't well, i thought it was it was teeth but yeah like you said where did he get those teeth what animal what sentient creature did he kill to, yeah. I mean, they just, I, I guess we're not supposed to feel bad for the fish in this world. So okay, before we yeah. move on, we get to choose. We You choose one image, I'll choose one image. And it's got to <laughs> okay. be a ridiculous image. The most ridiculous image? Yeah, that you can find. Okay. From either of these books? Well, I don't have Dynatopia, but you can you can choose. Okay, I'll do, I'll do World Beneath. Yeah, I mean, there's, then... so, there's so many. I already talked about the nativity scene from the first one is pretty ridiculous. 
All right, I'm going to choose. I've got one. Okay, if we pick the same one, it's No, be... I don't think so. You, I think you could choose a proper one. I just chose it because I thought it was silly. Okay, are we going to do our webcams real quick? Oh, I could just yes. tell you the page number. Oh, you just, okay, fine. You tell me yours. All right, 47. 47. <laughs> All right, and for the listeners at home, it's a image of crab is it arthur <laughs> it's arthur right yeah arthur's in the background he looks and, like donald sutherland yeah and his little friend the dinosaur who's like three bix. feet bix is like three feet tall but but um and there's giant jellyfish out there in this weird submarine thing and he's <laughs> crab is like manipulating it and then below, oh yeah, it gets crazier because he's got a tinier image with an outline of each thing that you see on the previous page. Of oh the yeah, the creatures, and then they're labeled: the trilobite, nautiloid, crinoid, brachiopod. And well, this is like the educational portion. Like, yes, you, these you are real. Libraries and schools were like, well, we don't want to, we don't want to stock this, but if it is technically educational, we can devote the budget to Dinotopia. Right, and I think these all existed. Is the thing yeah. I don't think he created the dinosaurs. I think some of them he kind of made liberties with the colors and stuff. But anyway, that's my image. It's so ridiculous looking. <laughs> all right, you ready for mine? Yes. It's it's also a crab image. It's okay. Here we go. one one forty four. It's got to be crab. You got to be crab. Bad. That that, that part point. we shared. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Wait, 144. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dinotopying as fast as I can. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This wins. This, this is evil, where he looks evil, and he's holding the sunstone. Yes, has... And not only is he holding the sunstone, he's pointing at you as if he, he's casting He has the, uh, the, 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 the evil in his eye of Sinbad in Jingle All the Way when he's got the toy. He's like, yes, I'm not that... getting this toy from me. <laughs> he does the, the, other, the other most evil character in fiction. Yes. Uh, yes, yeah. the no, wonderful he's... portrayal of a man. But I want the, I want the Turbo Man! Yeah. yeah, full of hate and greed for a Turbo Man. But yeah, he he has that same energy, but he's doing yeah. it with a... You know, this guy is like Rembrandt with dinosaurs. It's like, I know. you cannot believe it. It's like he's sure. taking the skill of Rembrandt, but he's making it about a children's fantasy of living with dinosaurs but also like a dickensian morality <laughs> tale and the guys it's even it's, out of and it's like jules verne is what, it's very <laughs> well, that's the other thing too is most uh renaissance painting i'm just noticing this wonderful image and i'm glad you chose it because i'm noticing that in old renaissance paintings and so on are photorealistic in many ways but they lack the cinematic touch of focus because they didn't even yeah. understand focus at the time as far as i know whatever no this if you look at Crab's face, it's crystal clear. And yeah. then look at his hat. It's out of focus. Oh, so yeah. that's like a cinema thing. You're right. Well, it's like showing you what's what's in the center. It's compositions. It's like what's in the center? What are we focusing on the most? Yes. Yeah. And is wonderful. And he also just makes liberties where he said, you know what? I don't need to paint the rest of it. So the bottom quarter of the image is white. There's also an interesting part. Uh, it's page 92 and 93 where 
he shows you the same thing from three different characters perspective. Okay. He Let's shows you yeah. a calcite formation. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Arthur yeah. just sees I it love that. as a bunch of drips, and Crab sees it as a monster, and Oriana sees it as almost like a Madonna. I love that. Yeah, it's baby. So that's also kind of teaching children about perspective and point of view. And but I'm that. thinking like the guy who he had real models and they were basically like friends that he had who he did. Came, yeah. Yeah. They yeah. oh come over to a barbecue. Oh, by the way, can you uh, stand in? And so some of them, they did a little bit. But this crab guy, whoever was crab, had to keep coming over the house. So that guy's like going to the grocery store thinking, I'm crab. Yes. Like At what I, point does crab end and I begin? <laughs> does anyone? Uh, and uh, okay, look at this. How Arthur? That this is wonderful. Do you think anybody went to his house? Like, I'm just here for the chicken wings. I don't want to wear a funny hat and pretend to be a senator from. Yeah, I'm sure. Plenty of, and he said, "I am the Palpatine." You know. Oh, it was <laughs> Lucas. He came to the barbecue and was like, "Um, I'm just looking oh, for some uh, ideas." Uh, you know, I'm, it's gonna, a story. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna excuse myself. He just grabs a maquette. And but runs. there's some in the making of Phantom Menace I saw, and when they screen it, there's this. They have kind of in the din of the you know the dark room or whatever. You could see uh, Lucas's face light up in panic because he realizes it's not a good movie, <laughs> and he starts to be like, "Well, there." At the end of it, sort of saying this quickly, he says, there's a lot of ideas here. Maybe too many ideas. Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. No, I think I remember. This. And and I think in a way, Phantom Menace, maybe that would have worked better as one of these books. Because mm -hmm. you can throw a lot of ideas at it. And that's the issue. So let's transition to making this into a movie. Yeah. Uh, this These stories were made into a miniseries in 2002 on what do we know what service? On what channel? Um, it was co-produced by Disney and Hallmark. Uh, of course. And, and it, it, I've been it, has, quoting it has kind of that feeling. Yeah, um, it, it moves me... at a certain pace, yeah. Oh my god, it's so slow. So it's we'll like... say about this, about miniseries. Any miniseries, but specifically ones like this and this one, is that you're watching a scene and you're like, wow, okay, that scene's over. Oh, no, it's not over. It's still going. Yeah. Yep. No, all right. Really, okay, it's gonna end. No, it's very boring. I'm bored. It's it's, it's still going, and I got oh. two more nights of this. Two more nights oh, of it. Okay, it's still all right. Yeah, I'm bored. Maybe I'm not as bored. This is kind of interesting. He's saying something. Oh, oh no, wait. It's boring again. It's boring uh, again. Okay, okay. But so, well, wait. Maybe. No. What did you say to me though? It said that time. <laughs> yes, you reach a zen-like state where you just have to ignore the existence of time and, okay. and just kind of be in the moment of Dinotopia, the miniseries. Because, All right, let's... Yeah. So, and to answer your question, it was on ABC. That was okay, it was on ABC. So yeah. let's hit it. Let's right. go. So this miniseries, it was three hour and a half, roughly... Uh, you know, films, I guess, or episodes. Um, and it does not take place in the 1860s. All right. Okay. Anyways. So, yeah. So it takes place in the present day. And this one follows a family, um, uh, Carl and David and then their dad, and they're going for a plane ride. They similarly crash in the sea. Um, they're, Carl and David are separated from their dad. 
Uh, Carl and David are played by actors who both look like people who you think are more famous people, but they're not. Because I thought Carl was Lee Pace. He's not Lee Pace. I thought the other guy was Jensen Ackles from Supernatural. It's not Jensen Ackles. Um, but anyway, so they wash ashore in Dinotopia and, you know, they're brought into the Dinotopian society. They meet Marion, who's a girl about their age who can commune with the dinosaurs. She is the daughter of um, Waldo, the mayor of Waterfall City, played by Jim Carter, a.k.a. the butler from uh, Downton Abbey, and literally dressed as a clown. Like, he's supposed to be the mayor, but he looks like a Commedia dell'arte, like, Pierrot clown. Um, and, oh, and I forgot to mention, the first person they actually meet is Cyrus Crab, who is the son of Lee Crab, played by David Thewlis, who is one of the best parts of this whole thing, because he's actually very good um, and fun to watch. But And he's like an antiques dealer, I guess, a roguish antiques dealer, maybe. He's, he's an antiques dealer and a thief. Um he brings them into the city, gives them the rundown. Um, there's a whole part before they even get to Waterfall City where they're like riding around in the, on a brontosaurus. Um, the first 20 minutes are pretty drab. Like I have to say, it's like, it's not until it gets to Waterfall City that it, you finally start to see that color and kind of the, it brightens up. And then the next like episode and a half, it's kind of just like a series of events that happen. Carl and David, they fight, they fall off a waterfall. Carl tries to steal, or he does steal a book for Cyrus because Cyrus wants to escape Dinotopia and all this stuff. And Carl really wants to see their dad again. And he's upset that David has just been like, I'm going to join the school and I'm going to become a Dinotopian citizen, all this stuff. And so that's why they fight and fall off the waterfall. There's a dinosaur named... Zippo, which is spelled Z-I-P-P-O in uh, the credits, but in the Amazon Prime slash freebie subtitles is spelled Z-I-P-E-A-U, like a French name, which I thought was kind of funny. And then, um, so they they leave Waterfall City. They kind of go through like the rites of passage. They go to the school run by Marion's mom. Uh uh, David trains to become a skyback. There's a lot of skyback stuff. Um, Carl kind of rebels at first, but then he's assigned a baby triceratops that he reluctantly becomes the dad to, and he doesn't like this responsibility. He keeps saying, "No way, no way! I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be dad to triceratops." Calls it the calls her 26 because he refuses to give her a name. Um, but then, of course, he ends up caring for her. He tries to escape, but then he returns. There's a great scene where he tries to, he tricks Cyrus Crab. He thinks he's, Cyrus thinks he's getting the Sunstone, but then Carl leaves and Cyrus goes, you crook. Um, and then uh, there's, uh, yeah, he tries to leave Dinotopia, but the boat's been sabotaged. And then he comes back to save 26 because he really cares. And then there's a whole crisis about the Sunstones going out. Um, and they have to find more. There's the legal drama section where they're in court and they have to defend themselves. All these different characters come back saying, no, Carl and David are good boys. And then there's a bunch of pterodactyl stuff. There's a world beneath uh, return. There's references to the books that come way too late. They should have come way earlier. Um, they are reunited with their father and uh, they become heroes of Dinotopia. They both take up their different roles 
And the whole movie, the whole miniseries feels like it should end with the Star Wars, like, but it doesn't. Um, no. Also, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, it has another four and a half hours. Where they... <laughs> no, that is the, I just breezed through the whole thing, but that is like how it, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Wait, so how, do, how does it end? I mean, to be, clear, the... to be clear, I've seen this and I own this, but again, I don't feel the need, you know, to have to- total knowledge. Of, you didn't uh... just watch it today. So no, yeah. no, I didn't just watch it today, but I, they I remember return... <laughs> good chunk. So what happens is they find the father is still alive. They go in Arthur Dennison's old. So, uh, at the top, did we mention how it started? How it actually begins? Because I saw oh. this like I was like getting my popcorn, you know, getting my ice cream. I'm like I'm gonna watch Dinotopia. This is yeah. happening. I am way too old for this, but I'm watching it. I mean, I would have been man i'm not sure 15 or something I mean, oh yeah, 15. yeah well what is way too old with dinotope it's a family movie i mean you can watch it. anybody can watch it yeah you're right. never too old um but anyway it was uh, so i would have been uh in, you know in that range and i'm like sitting down and it just starts with kind of these guys in kind of bro costumes <laughs> in a plane with the faux clouds and I'm like, wow, this is not what I was expecting. Well, it actually, if I remember, it even starts before that with Rosemary, like sort of the pro. Oh, you're right. Oh, you know what? I should writing because... a letter. It's no, this I, I know woman, that. this older woman we don't know, writing a letter to someone no, else we I don't know. know. I know, I know, yeah. I know, I know. Set, so right away, right away, you're just kind of like, what? Like, it's, that's it's bad. On, oh man, so that's bad on me because I did start to watch it before our our convo. Yeah, and I did watch it, and it was like I put it on, and I'm imagining this sh- the the clouds, and you know what? Yeah. I bet you I did walk in on that. You know, maybe yeah. something was happening. I told you to take the trash out. I'm watching Dinotopia. <laughs> you know, I don't know what it what it was, but you know, I'm rushing in, and I mi- missed it. Right? I then this was way back, and then like I said, I bought it and rewatched. So I've seen this four hour show <laughs> twice at least. Oh my God. And and now I did see that. And now I'm seeing these clips for you. Yeah. I watched some of it and I turned on like watching it going, wait a minute, wait a second. Wait, 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 what? Who There's, is the, what's going on here? Why is she rose from Titanic? There is a tight, a weird Titanic. There's a lot of stuff that is not fully explained or, just kind no. of dropped in there. There's a very weird scene at, and I don't know if this is explained in one of the books, but so when Carl and David are in Rosemary's school and Carl's going to run away, but then Rosemary's like, no, you should stay here. And that's like the lady at the beginning. So the final day, the brontosaurus is, all the, everybody's gathered around and then the brontosaurus starts stomping their feet. And then there's like this Lynchian montage of like them overlaid on Carl's face and Carl like falls down and he's like, in a trance of bliss or something and then the next day he and david are like hey how was that oh that was great cool and so i i don't if was that like a mind meld or like the pond far like you're talking that was weird well they Um, both remind me of and again with the plane reference and i literally just thinking of this now like their tone of voice what they're kind of they're kind of banal yeah a little plain spoken yeah but they're not like God. super mean or anything. they kind of remind me of the brothers from wings 
I don't oh. know if you've ever seen that show, but they oh have, the, yeah 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 the with Tony Shalhoub wasn't he on that? Yeah, he yeah. well he's a minor character. Oh okay, well um, but there's the two main brothers. Yeah, uh, very of, vaguely. One of them's more famous of an actor. I I couldn't okay. tell you like, but anyway, they're they're um <laughs> they just have that same kind of boring cadence with each other, but they're mad and I'm and one of them's a real bigot because he's going on about how superior he is to the dinosaur. Oh yeah. Well, Carl is a real jerk through a lot of it. The other guy's more laid back, isn't he? The the David, yeah, David with the buzz cut. Well, and it's also funny because I kind of assumed that the buzz cut kid was going to be the bad boy, but he actually turns out to be the sensitive one who's like, "I want to learn how to speak like the Dinotopians." Listen, I got my sing, my sting, and my seal CDs here, and my discman. Yeah, do you, do you want to come listen to ninety eight point five, the river? With, yeah, but my was, family used to tease me that I had Seal was one of my main CDs that I would listen to. It's good. Would, yeah, he's a good artist. No, I mean he's a he was yeah he was a major major figure. Give me my Seal and some Dinotopia and leave me alone. You know. Peter Gabriel, yeah. I was going to say, what do you think about this theory, which is, you think about a movie, I was listening to people talk about the taking of Pelham 123 a while ago, oh, yeah. and it's a great movie, it's a yeah. great thriller, And but if you think about it, even the hero of that, Walter Matthau, let alone mm-hmm. his, his, you know, his issues he has as a character, yeah. the, the, let's just say, we don't know anything about him, nothing, <laughs> but for the story we know then the amount we need to know about him to propel the story forward. Right. And so that's a lot of times like they think in movies that they have to say like, well, I was born here and that's why I decided to go on the run, you know, and that's why, well, maybe you don't need that. Maybe you just need to know the amount you need to, to propel the story forward. Sometimes like it's in here, this miniseries, they put a lot in. Yeah. About the relationships and this, it's like, well, I don't know if that was necessary. Right. Well, again, to go back to that, that was a big criticism of the Star Wars prequels. It's like more is not necessarily better. And it's like uh, a lot of there's a lot of like bad faith criticism, like cinema sins and stuff. That's just like this doesn't make any sense. This isn't logically, you know, all this stuff. But like, do you really want to just sit down and listen to like a ream of how things I mean, I think the book Dinotopia does a good job of balancing enough stuff that makes sense with stuff that's interesting and fantastic. You know, it doesn't have to, I don't need a blow by blow of why this dinosaur city is perfectly logical and functional. I know it's not, it's fantasy. So you don't need to like go through these motions um, just to do it. That's what I mean. The suspension of disbelief. Like if I'm engaged enough that I'm not going to care about that stuff. Uh, But there's so many scenes in this thing kind of to your point where it's just like, why are we? Why, why do we need to see any of this? Like they just keep going through. I guess they're trying to build like a coming of age story, but it really like. And they also have multiple love triangles that don't really go anywhere because the boys both fall in love with Marion, but then there's this other girl who's Romana Dennison, who is said to be Will's daughter, and she actually gets Will's saddle, but then nothing really comes of that, and she disappears halfway through the second up ep- or the. Uh, miniseries she disappears basically at the end of the second episode who is that like... lady and then rosemary was the lady she's marion's mom and the wife of waldo the the butler the jim carter 
guy in the <laughs> the senator. He has like an Elizabethan ruff and literally like a jester's hat. With, oh like, yeah, red, so yeah, he's like from hair. Shakespeare in Love, basically. Yeah, yeah, he's but like, he's well, like... he was on the set of Shakespeare in Love. He walked the wrong direction and he ended up on the Dinotopia set. I I literally think they were like make him look like a 16th century clown. And now here's okay, but here's what I think also could have happened, which is hey. We have X amount for budget for costume. <laughs> um, you can use anything in this room. Like you have hundreds of costumes that we don't have to buy. They're just sitting here. That's all you can use. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, after that, yeah, yeah, you're out. So it's like find what you can find, and that's why they're dressed in plain clothes, like the the boys at the beginning, yeah. in like a, a just like something from Eddie Bauer. <laughs> I mean, I would have. I thought after reading the book, I was like, this should have opened at least with the denizens, or like, you should have had more of that in the story. Because by the time we get to, because like they take Arthur's submarine to get to the world beneath, um, and there's like callbacks to the book, but by the time you get to that, it's already like the third episode. Like, it's so deep into this thing. And it just feels like the, there was some interesting stuff, so much stuff they could have done with it. And also Cyrus is Lee Krebs' son. Like they have this, like it's a sequel to the books technically. So they could have, they could have really built on that, but instead it just feels like, like it just goes nowhere for so much of it. And then finally at the end, they had, they basically redo the world beneath and have a whole bunch of stuff with the sunstones. Well, it's interesting that when you see a motion picture, like a standard movie, you're thinking like, well, hour and a half like something can only be an hour and a half right i mean that's that's just the way the world is actually no you can make a four hour (laughs) film about something you could make an eight hour film it's starting to realize like how long of a film could you make about dinotopia before you just go (laughs) there's nothing more to say like someone the actor could turn to the camera and say we have nothing more to say our revels thus have ended we don't (laughs) right we actually don't but, have an ending. We did, We couldn't write one. We, well, what do you think should happen? We've run out of money. Yeah. We've run out of money. We have run out of dinosaurs. Well, it's. I did want to quickly mention, like, so this came out 2002. This was a period, like, the early to mid-2000s and late 90s where this was in vogue, like, this sort of miniseries, because you had the Dune miniseries, you had the Tenth Kingdom. Uh, there was Merlin. Merlin, there were a couple the of that Merlin I think ones. that I think the one that kicked it off was Odyssey with Armand de Sante. Oh yeah, I remember we that watched that. Like, it off. Yeah. Oh yeah. You yeah. know you're a nerd if you're watching something <laughs> that they're gonna show you in school, but you are making the time to make sure that you can watch it and and also like tell your parents, like, you've gotta, you know, make sure you don't touch this, record this so I don't miss it. You, you you get that tape, like scotch tape, and put it on your VHSs, and you write Dinotopia, Trevor's tape. Don't. Well, I had to go to – I think the show was like two and a half hours or something or more for the first night. This is Odyssey. And I was like – and they said, you have to go to bed. You can't stay up. I was like, okay, well, tape it. So it just yeah. doesn't have the same feeling when you're watching a grainy version of the thing later. Well, and I remember setting up the tape. There was an Alice in Wonderland one, which had a bunch of celebrities in it. Gene Wilder was in it. And I set up a tape to record it. And I went to bed. I remember thinking, like, all right, I'm going to watch it. And it only recorded, like, I think it missed 
a good chunk of it. Yes, that's I think the I got the second half, but I just remember being sad because I I missed the first like third of it. So I, I had the second half, but um, but yeah, I just remember being like, dang, you know, like this is this is the the grappling with VCRs. Something you know is a trial trial of coming of age in the nineties. But well, yeah. they had the uh, the long play which you could press on the VCR, which would somehow magically transform a two hour <laughs> tape to like four or eight hours of like what does why how does how is this what what elixir is this vhs well yeah and the amount of content that a vhs tape could store is still a mystery to me because you would see like you know fiddler on the roof or west side story or whatever like or dr Zhivago split into those big like two vhs tape i think titanic had one too two vhs tape those massive boxes but then right. other things you could fit like, I don't know, like two to three hours on one VHS. So, well, they, uh, what if they finally came out and said, actually, we didn't do it. People were just acting behind your TV the whole time. <laughs> they were, they were actually just acting. The movie well, that's out. like the, that's like the Truman show. This is a simulate. We, we've been joking about someday everything, the lights are all going to come on. And you're just going to hear a voice <laughs> like this was a simulation. Oh yeah. This was, a, you, you have failed. failed. You have yeah, made you, the incorrect <laughs> choice. Yeah. But, but uh, but this long play would be like, um, you know, when you actually played it back, so grainy. It was like looking through stained glass to watch whatever you. Because <laughs> how? I mean, how could you go from two hours to eight hours or something? Something is happening to the quality. And it'd be so disappointing. Too. And it was, as it. And also, you were watching. You were so enthralled with the story, like, and yeah. you forgot. I guess maybe I taped it from the beginning or something. But anyway, there was the Odyssey, and then there was Merlin. Yeah, there was this really badly made, um, in terms not quality, not the quality of the production, but like the storytelling of a, uh, with a uh, Ted Danson. Huh. I don't know it if I know that one. Gulliver's Travels. Oh, okay. I do vaguely and remember it was, that it was one. Told non-linearly, and so he'd say something like in the present, and I'm like, this is stupid because I know you're alive. Like you're ruining the whole conceit. I remember watching that. I remember watching that on vacation, like at a lake house. Like, oh yeah, let's watch Gulliver's Travels. Right. Yeah. Even then, the wigs looked ridiculous. And I think the original that was the first first one that came out as a you know miniseries in nineteen seventy something. There was a this Gulliver's Travels that first came out, and that was supposed to be the first miniseries. I mean, that's not a historical event, okay? But it. Well, there's a lot of yeah, yeah. I mean, they make it into yeah. like it was, but yeah, it's yeah. interesting that uh, it's just a long movie. I mean, that's really all it is. It's a but long. I, movie. I was saying this. I was saying this over text too, but it's interesting because it's like with Dinotopia specifically, but also with these other ones. It's like, there's something like so weighty about it because it's so long and there's so much happening, but it's also so ephemeral. Because I kind of feel like the only like the ideal way to watch this would have been on the nights. Cause then you would have been like, Oh man. Cause if you sit down and watch a 90 minute episode of a three part miniseries, and then you wait another week for the next part, like you got time to digest it and stuff. And it's also like, you know, like you, you can appreciate it in the moment. You're not getting too into it, but like trying to watch these all like over a few days to prepare for this podcast was just kind of like, Oh, like just sitting there waiting for stuff to happen. And I feel like, um, so in a weird way, it's like, it's more time consuming, but it's like less consequential. Like it's, it, I don't know. It's like this odd combination of trying to be like event television, but also 
right like, yeah have have the depth of a full series i mean it's not like a sitcom episode where you're just like i don't really know what this is or where this falls into anything yeah. and it's just but it's it's like no this has a real narrative and it's so long and they created a whole world <laughs> and it's four hours long and like we said you're watching it going now in, in the traditional film or if you listen to a, a, a movie commentary or read an in, or yeah. listen to an interview, they'll always say, oh, we had to cut it for time. This yeah. had to be cut for time. No. In Dinotopia, it's like, we added this for time. We added this. We had to keep adding. Writers had to keep adding to the story. There wasn't it, enough. It's you know, like they're had... writing to fill the space. Like, they literally could have, I think they could have cut, like, a clean hour out of this. There's and... a scene, oh, yeah, but there's yeah. a scene, well, that would still be the length of, like, a Yeah, it would still movie. be long, but it easily could have been, yeah. There's a scene at the beginning. So the plane ride, they crash into the water, which yeah, is yeah. absurd, then they're lost, yeah. <laughs> and they come. Somehow they lose the dad, but are still together themselves. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Then they split apart, and they learn about the world, and so on. It's, it is interesting to see it rendered, but yeah. they're missing a lot of that saturation of color and a lot mm-hmm. of the other things that he was doing. And it's just like a straight up kind of the same standard color that you would see in a normal. Yeah. Uh, the, the light, the light and the, the saturation is just standard. So it's missing. In, ta- in fact, sometimes it's kind of dim. That's what I was saying, especially before they get to Waterfall City. It's very brown and drab and like the CG. I I don't think the CG was that great even for the time, but like even the better CG, it's like kind of blurry at certain points. So um I but yeah, there's just no comparing to the experience of looking at the paintings and reading the journals. It's like and, and it could have been made into something good, but it just feels yeah, like something's missing, and and it does get better at certain points, but yeah. But there's um, a scene where they oh, right. they're wandering from the beach. You know, they're on wash ashore, so they're sort of, you know, still looking immaculate, and they walking, and they find this group of people, and they're sort of proselytized into them, and they're on top of this dinosaur. Yeah, remember that part? Yep, yep. And they're, and it goes on for so long. <laughs> And this is like the beginning of the movie. You're oh, like, oh, yeah, they're going to yeah, get yeah. to it. They'll get there. No, we're still on this scene. But then there's a part of you that's like, I like that this is slow, the slow TV because I feel like I'm really in Dinotopia. But then I'm like thinking, well, who else feels like this? No, do other people <laughs> want to be this invested in Dinotopia or where they prefer? But if you think about a, a, a TV company or studio they don't want to put the money in for an hour and a half they they're thinking let's milk this well and also there's like it doesn't actually devote as much time because a lot of the runtime isn't even the interesting stuff about dinotopia it's just like setting up exposition or you know having another pointless scene where they're like you don't care about our dad he's like no i yeah oh my it's it's insufferable those things are love triangle they go on about yeah you don't care this hey this is like some melodrama we added i'm like no i want to see why don't you take me on a digital tour of the library right i want to see that kind of thing like as if it's the national archives how about the guy that's like the niles crane librarian the raptor man <laughs> i was like, gonna say zippo, so zippo or zippo yes yeah, i'm so sorry everyone i'm I so really sorry want, yeah oh my god he was, meet you. was so annoying i, I mean like, he's, why are you neurotic why are you neurotic he's man? a neurotic dinosaur well, dinosaur 
I guess they thought that would be endearing, but he's not very endearing. Like, and even he's as not a kid, endearing. no. <laughs> There's also a part where uh, David Thewlis knocks him out and puts him in a bag and throws oh, him yeah. in the river. But then the river, because it's because they don't want to like scare kids. It's like as soon as the bag's in the river, he's basically they they basically show it's like he's fine. He's like floating on top. Right. He'll be, right, he'll right. be okay. So in that case, David Thewlis basically just did this for for fun. He he wasn't gonna kill him. He just did that. He knew he was gonna be okay. So it was it, a, a it defeats threat. The, yeah. Well, maybe it defeats it, but maybe it was just a threat. Like, don't mess with me. I guess it could be. But then later, there's a part where, where Zippo goes, "Oh, don't get the sack again." Like, oh, don't get the no, sack. Don't put me in the sack. Oh, I mean, he's, he's yeah. so. How did he even do? Yeah, how do you knock a dinosaur unconscious? Like. Well, a lot of it, too, is like, you know, granted, the really large animals, we know the size of them. Right. But sometimes the scale is off. It's like the movie <laughs> Cats. Like, are you three feet? Are you ten feet? How tall are you? Right. It's like in different scenes. One scene he can fit through the door, and the other scene he's, like, on top of a house. Yeah. Like, how slimy is your skin, too? I'm imagining that if I touched him, he would kind of be like chain mail. Like, if yeah. I shook, shook claws with Zippo. Is Zippo having coffee? Is he? I mean, these are sort of like red wall questions that I right. come up with. But well, they do they do have the thing where it's like because they don't like to read book, turn pages. The way that dinosaurs read is they have scrolls and then they walk on treadmills. Yes, yes, the treadmill. I love that. I think that's great. And, yeah. and he dips his little claws in ink. <laughs> and he, he jumps on it. Tricks. Yeah, I was just oh, gonna say man. the theme song felt did feel like they were trying to do like the inverse of the Jurassic Park theme song. Cause it's like, na 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 So it sort of felt oh, yeah. like they were trying to be like, na, 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 like, but backwards. Yeah. <laughs> now that's good. And they played oh, it over no. and over again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's na, more of. Na, na, na. It's more um, anthemic, uh, yeah. Anthemic, yeah, yeah. Than than the dinosaur. It's um. So after a while, you're like, oh, this is like something you would hear at a hockey game. <laughs> it's you like know? the like, please leave the stadium. Uh, Halftime. How did they did they do pretty good? Uh, they they do pretty good um, visions of Waterfall City. A lot of it is missed though. Like they don't. Do, yeah. They didn't do that. Those two, my favorite things, the treetops, I think maybe. No, they, yeah, they cut out a lot. And they don't go to that monastery. No, they, well, again, so much of the world isn't even there. And they make reference to the denizens having existed. They make reference to uh, the world, a little bit of the world beneath stuff. And then when they actually go to the world beneath, they add another thing, which is that, because in the book, Oriana, one of the people in the expedition, goes into this cave and sees a vision of her mother. Or I think it's the queen. I don't know. But it looks like her mother. But um, in this, they go to that same room and they clarify that that, the, which is where all the sunstones come from, is the meteor that killed the dinosaurs. So that that is where we get the sunstone. Right. So they added that little bit of lore. It's a um, different... Yeah, It had. they're in yeah. this room that has kind of like a hieroglyphics... Right. It, right yeah that tell you the story of of dinotopia and that they that uh, uh, that whole thing that was missing right well they add and they uh they also imply that i didn't get this but that 
Marion is Oriana's granddaughter, but Romana is Will's daughter. So they should technically be related, but they never go into that because those characters barely even interact. And so Uh, it's like they're trying to set up a relationship between like a dynasty, you know, with these different families, but no. Well, I guess you wanted to say something about merchandise. Uh, I just wanted to say that, that, did I want to talk about merchandise? I was just saying that that they had a hard time merchandising it. Oh, uh, marketing, the marketing of it. I think that there was, I don't know this for a fact, but it it just feels to me, because like you were talking about this too, is like, as a kid, you know, you get like dinosaurs are typically thought of as being like a young child's game, you know, like something kids get into, but these books are really kind of, I think more appropriate for older kids and like I said, I think I would have been really into this because the world building aspect, I think, would have appealed to me more in like middle school. And then later, after they did this mini series, they would eventually do a cartoon series, which looks pretty dire. I haven't watched it. Oh, yeah. Um, we should mention the other media. They made paperback yeah. books for YA, young adult paper. I already told you I didn't particularly like it. Yeah. But they were interesting. Again, it's that slow TV feel, like going yeah. into a world that keeps going on and on. Then you right. have the cartoon series we don't know much about and a 10 episode tv series that was canceled <laughs> right which is based on the miniseries but the characters are all played by new actors so right. it has the same characters but it's all different yeah really like, yeah and so i i haven't That's it's Carlo, david and marion and all those people but it's well that could be that could be explored some other time <laughs> i mean then, we can yeah we, we I can mean, yeah, Mount all of these, yeah. all of these things. But you know what thing is like every thing I discuss, you can always keep going. But there's other subjects, you know. Yeah, I mean, I am happy that I've gotten into these because again, it's worth reading the books, uh, the art books, and like get immersing yourself in that. But um, you know, like I, I don't, I just don't know personally how how much I'm gonna have have the the even I. I mean, I put myself through some some very obscure media for no reason except my own curiosity, but I don't know if I'm going to watch the entire Dinotopia series, but maybe, I mean, well, we'll, we'll say we'll, we'll leave that as an open. Cause there, we also have two more. <laughs> we have two other Dinotopia books. So we'll I know. we got leave some... it as an open. Yeah. It's an, we're keeping it open to all of you listening to this. We are, we've gone on and on and on and we've barely even scratched the surface. Oh yeah. We're... So we're le- <laughs> but it was the same with Redwall. Yeah. I mean, there's so much, um, and then I guess the final thought is the concept of utopia. Yeah, um, I was going to say something about, uh, I, and I did very little, just a little cursory research about this, but just the whole idea of the of utopian literature has a long history. Um, the word utopia dates back to the book Utopia by Thomas More, and the word uh, originates from Greek and actually has a double meaning because depending on how you spell it, it could mean good place or no place. So some people think that the original utopia was actually meant as a satire, uh, especially since some of the things in it kind of conflict with things that Thomas More himself probably would have supported because he was a Catholic. Um, And so there's this element of like, uh, this is a benevolent, like an ideal society, but it also will never exist kind of thing. But then after that, in the centuries following, uh, utopian literature got really popular, especially in the like 19th century and early 20th century. And there was a book called Looking Backward, which is not very popular anymore, but at the time was very popular in the 1880s. And it was kind of about a socialist utopia. It was politically influential. 
Um, there was also feminist utopias like Herland by Charlotte Perkins Gilman. There was uh, News from Nowhere is another one. Um, but then, so I feel like to us as a modern reader, utopias tend to not be very compelling because you can't really do much in terms of story with them. If the society is perfect, then the only conflict has to come from outside the society or an individual that doesn't fit in with it. Whereas in a dystopia, if the society is imperfect, then the individual is empowered because they're the ones who have to change or escape the society. It's, it's basically the same problem. I mean, you and I watched that documentary about next gen. Star Trek I was, about, I was yeah. about to mention And they bring, they bring that up. They said it was hard to write for because they, there's only so many things you can talk about well, if the society's perfect. Yeah. What was it? It was called um, Chaos on the Bridge. How could I forget? I owned it and I made it. You like watched this like six times. <laughs> yeah, I can't hide that I'm a Trekkie. But, Look, um, proud, uh, yeah. but, and proud. But I showed you this documentary and it was, it's such a bewildering <laughs> movie with uh, <laughs> talking to all the characters. But basically, I think the way they got around it with Gene Roddenberry, who came up with this idea like, if the world is perfect in <laughs> Federation, there yeah. is no conflict, is they yeah. made the other planets the conflict. Exactly. Source. Yeah. So, and, you know, yeah. oh, you've gone into the neutral zone. Yeah. You know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Although I will say that, you know, you know, Gene Roddenberry, you know, R.I.P. But when he when he died, the the uh, head producer was like, I was so relieved when he died (laughs) because I could start writing better episodes. (laughs) Well, yeah, there were a lot of issues. uh, But um, I think. the, there's some similar like parallels to Dinotopia because the the conflict comes from you know Lee Crab the bad guy you know the guy who doesn't fit doesn't accept Dinotopia so you have to and in the movie in the miniseries they also have the thing about the sunstones going out so they have an energy crisis but the society itself is is perfect you know so also we see we don't see yeah. that dingier side but. I, well, I guess we're led to believe that it is that way. And and that's another thing, because, again, just reading about the original Utopia book, there were slaves in it, in that Utopia. And I don't know if Thomas More just didn't care. And at the time, they were like, oh, yeah, this is perfect. But it's like there was stuff in it that felt like it would not be Utopian. Like, so I feel like there's kind of always like you're setting yourself up for a fall when you write a Utopia because you're kind of just waiting for somebody to point something out you know or waiting for there to be some some catch that comes in and that's why i think dystopias tend to be more common or or more popular because well or they always start with uh not 1984 but other (laughs) other books start with a veneer of utopia right and then they descend into a dystopia of some type before finishing on sort of a sometimes anyway kind of a hopeful like in thx 1138 where he comes out and he's they have that that over you know zoomed in sun well in metropolis they have the city collapses and then at the end they make peace between the different classes and there's the in between the head and the hand lies the heart so it's the idea that we can have industry and a ruling class as long as we use we have morality you know but i was i was going to say does it feel like dinotopia has a each according to his uh, utility or usefulness yes. and each according to his need i mean it has there a is license. there is a social well because there's like a code of dynatopia I, I i did not 
look up the entire thing because I don't even think the entire thing is listed in the book, but mm-hmm. they mention the code of Dinotopia, and one of them is like, you know, like don't take more than you need. Oh, the right um, there that turns yeah, into it's, well, they, they have live to eat, don't eat to live. Well, you got to read. This Carl, is a little, yeah. <laughs> Carl, uh, Carl Popper's, you know, essay on Dinotopia and why it leads to, you know, dystopia or whatever. Anyway, yeah, that's a little Carl Popper reference that, for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> and he was just he was just a major opponent of Marxism. He was a major opponent of Dinotopia. So he probably would be out. like, yeah, he would be saying like, it's not real. Because his basic thing is like, you lay out an idea for utopia, that's great. But someone will always dissent. So what do you well, do with that dissenter? That, that's, yeah. And that's, that's kind of what happens in the, in the show. And the basic answer is we kill them. <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. Yeah. Well, because in, in the miniseries, Lee Crab or sorry, Cyrus Crab strands everybody in the cave and then flees, but then he gets attacked by a giant anglerfish and dies. So it's sort of he's like he's not Crab though; he has a different name. No, he is. He's Cyrus Crab. He's Lee Crab's son. They, he says that. That's what I tell you. This is like the, this is a sequel. This is the next. Yeah, but, but we were we were talking before, and you said he's not crap. But I guess what you meant to you, what you were trying to convey was he's not the crab. He's not Lee he's a, Crab, the first crab. Yeah, in the he's, book. A he's, crab. he's a he's, different crab. He's a he's a different crab. He's a crab of a different color. Yeah. He's, uh, so he's a crab. He's like a handsome crab. A handsome crab. He's like, yeah. And he well, a, he's, he's uh, sort of has like a Blade Runner coat a, a little bit, right? Yeah. He like well, a long he's, coat. he's talking like this the whole time. And he's not, he's yeah. always has that thing like any guy in in a full suit or whatever, full dress, yeah. standing by the coast with what you know by the. It, you don't trust that guy. Well, speaking of the Dickens thing, he's walking with a cane, and I think they they made him a little Fagin-ish, like in terms of being like a yes. better, yeah, not the anti-Semitic part, but um, but then and then there's also a, a part towards the end when the pterodactyls are attacking because they're they're going nuts, and this woman is like trying to lead, who like has the orphanage, is like everybody, all the kids come here, and then she goes Oliver, and then a pterodactyl picks up a boy and flies away. <laughs> <laughs> and that made me laugh well what remember. about the skybacks that get the commander guy oh my god <sighs> he's like some, he's like someone you have from successfully a, completed your training yeah. he's like someone from an oliver stone movie oh my god I mean, or a video like, game or yeah. a video game yeah. hey hey Listen, or I, I am proud like of a, you. Or you I am more like better than you. A Sylvester Stallone or something. It's so monotone. <laughs> I, oh my God. Hey, you will understand one day. That thing where the, the, I have to be so invested in your mini series and show that I have to understand that I have to understand someday what Dinotopia means to me. I'm like, meanwhile, I'm like thinking, do I have homework tonight? Uh, yeah. that I should have been doing and I'm watching this show for like 10 year olds and nothing has, has anything happened? Has the plot advanced? Has something, no, nothing. No, happened. no, yeah. nothing happened. That whole sky, bat, like every scene you, that's an interesting point. Like you could run down and go, did that have to happen? But <laughs> I, I like I the bet, idea I that bet, you're, yeah. you're watching a scene and going, this is in real time. 
Yeah. I could be with the characters right now. They could do like the seven up documentaries and every seven years just go back to Dinotopia and be like, Yeah, you know, I'm a teacher now. I I, I had my I, days as a Skybax, but no. Right. I, I believe Gurney Yeah, I like read the the Financial Times. <laughs> yes, I I'm seven years old and I own stock in twelve companies. No, that I think Gurney liked the film as far as I know. I mean I think that, like you said, it, it is fun to see this stuff realized. It's fun to be like, oh, that's Waterfall City. But I wish they had actually just adapted the book or just found a, uh, found a different way to incorporate stuff. Because there's just, and, and just made it shorter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just I feel like it, it, has, it has a bit of the Black Cauldron thing where oh my God. They, went, they went overboard, but not in the right ways. <laughs> Like, there's not enough character I think and explanation. What I will say about the Black Calder, I think people think that they're going to like it because they're like, oh, like this kind of dark 70s Disney movie and you got this horned king and stuff. This is going to be really interesting, like a lost gem. And it's not. It's not good. Uh, you you want it to be better than it is because, like, the, the theme of it or the, the things around it look cool and interesting but yeah. well thank you andy for coming to discuss uh, dinotopia with me thanks for having me trevor it's great thank you andy for exploring dinotopia with me and thank you for listening to letters and legends this podcast is produced by me trevor maloof copyright 2023 tune in for more soon goodbye <laughs>